So when we last left you, um, we had just um, discussed the uh, tangentially discussed the Chutzur Kechemet and the uh, the notion of um, what role technicalities play in addressing questions that uh, are questions that we call substantively ethical questions. Um, and part of that, right, and part of that is the extent to which uh, issues like Kumvase and Shevel Tase. Uh, strike you as as meaning as ethically meaningful categories, uh, right? You, you know that there are trolley car study issues about this. There are gray ape studies about this. But whether the categories Shevel Tase Kumbas say are hardwired in, um, in the brain, they seem to be. Um, but um, okay, but who says that you know, hardwired in the brain means that we care about them anyway? Look, right? Yes. You need something for the Peter Singer problem that you can't be responsible for all deaths everywhere. Um. You can, do, you can use Lufaneno instead, but you need something. Yeah, so we try. We have all sorts of ways to try right. Right, uh, right up. Well, the Peter Singer problem is interesting, right? Why are you responsible for all bad things in the world? Why don't you? No, have... why, can't, why don't I have to send all my money to Africa if I could really save someone with every $200 of my money? Which might be true. But you can give pragmatic answers to that, though. It doesn't work. I, no, I think it does. Like there never people eat in Africa good who, food who I can give medicine, mosquito nets, and stuff for money. And I think much more than all my money can be absorbed in doing that. Um, I think, malaria, clear in the long run, I think yeah. malaria prevention and vaccination efforts do work. Malaria prevention does work. That's, things, that's what Bill Gates is giving money to. I can use up all my money saving people's lives, for sure. You could, but then that's clear that more people will be alive as a result. No, I think they will. Mm -hmm. Maybe you know, it does, takes away the relaxation you need to invent something much more important to save people's lives. If you mm -hmm. vaccinate people mm -hmm. against something, they're less likely to get it and die. That's not that's how you usually think about if someone, if someone was starving in front of me and I said, it will take away my relaxation. <laughs> I need to invent something more important to feed you. You would call me a monster. Okay? <laughs> um, I just you're making a purely pragmatic argument. I'm just saying you need some mechanism. Okay, good. So we have away all your money. We do have to address right? why, 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 you know, why, why do you not have the chiyav? Why does losam al damriyecha not apply to every human being in the world everywhere constantly? And, yeah. Right, and drive you there. Okay, yeah. good. I mean, and maybe it does apply. And well, we also don't want only up to ten percent. That's like the thing. We also don't want you to claim that you know, like, like yeah, oh, yeah, there's there's a murder yeah. happening in that back alley, it's but it's you know, fish, twenty feet away from me. Losam damriyecha is a lot less. You have to give away all your money. So that's then that's one thing. With people nefesh, then maybe it's like there are people. So my point is, then you strengthen them by taking away. I don't know. I don't. I've never heard people do that. Main ways we make it. You need some corresponding weakness. But Lasano Damrecha, like you know, is a misfit defined as a Lotas is. I don't I don't think that distinction helps so much. That is Shay Valtas. I think Lifanu. Well, Lotam Damrecha has Lifanu almost in it. You can read it, it's obvious Lifanu should be a category. Because Lotamod, Lotamod is a category of immediacy. Yes, the whole mitzvah is that you shouldn't see someone dying and ignore them. Whereas it's not true about murder. Murder is not defined by immediacy. If I if I have a robot on the other side of the world on remote control to murder somebody, I've murdered them. But shouldn't I really have to, like, the really big myths I should have to do is to make sure that nobody's animal is lost because they're the explicit look to colleagues alone? Nowadays, also with internet, like, maybe before, like, let's say in the Gemara times, like, okay, so you, maybe you heard from, like, your colleague Sorry, that, like, somebody's enough. dying somewhere else. Now we see it. Volunteer crowdsourcing to, to, look, to look for ter terrorists going through, through airplane uh, mm -hmm. security. Okay, yeah. good. Mm -hmm. Right, and so that's a bracket. That's a conversation we're bracketing for now. We just wanted to put that out there because, in the end, right, there's always a uh, one one way of trying to address um, to address challenging conflicts of values is to try and create you know uh, practical ways that you think you made the issue. And sometimes they work, and sometimes they don't. As I say, for me, the metaphor is Shabbos clocks, respirators on Shabbos clocks, and you can decide for yourself whether that really works or not. Um, okay, so today we're going to go on to what appears to be. 
a complete tangent, but that of course is purely a function of appearances. Uh, it does matter to me in its own right for um, because I this is the question of when, when and whether you pass in Shurim is uh, is an immediate question that everyone who gets asked any kind of shaila has to address with in the context of Yom Kippur. Um, not to mention that that um, it comes up in our household on occasions. <laughs> I did discuss over lunch my issues. Did you? Yeah, so when I received this uh, this article from uh, Rosh Old David Bitsako, um, right after I had the conversation with Yehuda, uh, where he had exactly this argument, right, where um, well, where I was asked, I'd asked a number of people, right. So what's the standard for allowing people to drink um, to, eat, to eat on Tisha B'av? What's the standard for allowing people to drink Shurim and Kippur? What's the standard for allowing people to uh, eat? All amounts, all amounts on, on Yom Kippur. And this came up, as I told you, in the, in the context of a question which I'm supposed to be writing up a public answer to about um, Yom Kippur and, uh, and long COVID. So I think, um, right, so I think we all get intuitively the standards for Yom Kippur and Shabbos are different. And Tisha are different. Sorry. <laughs> and, the standard, right, and the standards, and probably, although this is harder <clears throat> to, I think, to formulate the difference between, there's a difference between Shavas, Abertamos, and, and Tishavas, mm -hmm. right? That if you like, if you were like, mm -hmm. the basic things you could say, Shavas, Abertamos is roughly the same standard as medication on Shavas, and Tishavas requires, right, requires something considerably more serious than that, but obviously not rising to the level of Pekoch Mephesh. And eating full amounts of Yom Kippur requires Pekoch Mephesh, however you define Pekoch Mephesh, you can expand the boundaries of Pekoch Mephesh out to various things. And then Shurim, what's that? So you'd argue, right, um, that, well, Pekoch Mephesh is a Deiraisa. Whoever said that there are standards for which, right, for how much Pekoch Mephesh it takes to violate which Deiraisa? Chatness, right, you can violate Chatness for Pekoch Mephesh, and you can violate Yom Kippur for Pekoch Mephesh, and you can violate Chatsishir for Pekoch Mephesh, according to our position, that Chatsishir is Deiraisa. Right, it's derisive. What difference does it make which derisive? Okay, right. We get the whole discussion of Hutra and Dukhuya and all that. Right, right. Okay. So it's entirely possible Shabbos is more makeup. Right. So I was, I was about to, I meant um other derisive or standard other standard standard use other derisives using shotness as the right. right. But the problem is that all the Pitok Nefesh rhetoric is in Shabbos. So it's really hard to know how to expand it. Pretty right. much mm -hmm. every discussion of Pitok Nefesh is about Shabbos. Okay. Well, part of the question is what the Mkipper conversation is about. But okay, okay. okay. what the conversation mm -hmm. is about. Okay, so here we have is um, what I want to contend, and you can tell me, right, is I think that on a formal level, probably everybody thinking about it will end, right, would, would it end up thinking like Yehuda? Hang on a sec, we don't have levels of Deoraisas that affect the standard, right? What, what, there is no Deorais, you're not, you're generally not allowed to violate any Deoraisa for anything short of Pihod Mevish. Um, this is a part of the general problem that Pikuach Nefesh is, as a binary category, Pikuach Nefesh has all sorts of pernicious consequences in real life halacha, right? Drawing these bright lines, either it is Pikuach Nefesh or it isn't. And then we say, well, if it's, you know, that if it's a 0 0.0001 chance Pikuach Nefesh, it's Pikuach Nefesh. But if it's 0 0.0099, it's not, right? So there's going to be a line somewhere, but then you end up saying, you know, that point zero, that, you know, things, right, we, I, th I think that the intuition in many cases is sliding scale, right, it really depends how likely it is, but halakha is set up in a, as a binary because we say all suffix pikoch nefesh is like pikoch nefesh, so there are consequences, you know, technicalities, you can start stressing it, so striking, so a lot of, um, a lot of achronim try and make distinctions between 
um, one step pikuach nefesh and two step pikuach nefesh regardless of the odds. Right? Is this what I talk about? You know, like you have, you, is, it, is it this disease will kill you or this disease will lead to another disease that will kill you? So this disease might lead to another disease that will kill you. That's not something pikuach nefesh, that's something something pikuach nefesh. And even if the odds that way are of your dying are much higher than the odds of your dying from the initial disease, but right, because like you know, you have 10% and 10% as opposed to one in a thousand, and one, one in a thousand directly is to nefesh, but 49% chance you'll get a disease which has a 49% chance of killing you. Well, sorry. That's you know, even though it's 24.5%, but it's but it's not rope at the first level, right? That those are really those are the same kind of issues that we're trying to develop a uh, which the same as what you just talked about the Peter Singer thing. Like we know there are certain results that are absurd, but the attempt to avoid those results might yield results that are so formalistic that they also strike us as absurd. Um, so I um, I tend to some extent to blame this um, this this on um, on the Nodibiuda, and one of my favorite chuvas to teach, which is the autopsy chuva, in which the Nodibiuda draws an absolute binary. He says that if 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 something is pikuach nefesh, it's matir everything, and if it's not pikuach nefesh, then it isn't even matir drabanos. And therefore, right. So whether sending someone to medical school, to medical school either is pikuach nefesh, or manufacturing a drug is either pikuach nefesh or it's not. And there's never right, he, he absolutely denies a middle ground. And so a lot of halacha for the last 150 years has been trying to to find to find the middle ground that he denied. Uh, right to make it an analog switch instead of a digital. Uh, the person who you know, the, the most dramatic example of this, there's a lot of literature about autopsy specifically. The most dramatic example, I think, is Rav Asher Weiss in during COVID, dealing with the question of whether um, of whether elderly people in England could uh, what they could do in order to get their vaccinations because England because it's a national health system, it, right? You didn't call up to make an appointment; you were given an appointment. And you right, and you had to show up for that appointment. So if you didn't show up for your appointment on Shabbos, then you could so that could delay for two weeks, let's say. So two weeks, right? So there's a finite chance to get COVID. There's a finite chance COVID will kill you, and that and that chance, so you can divide it by whatever whatever it takes is only the next two weeks. But there's still going to be a finite chance of the Gofnevit. Does that mean that everybody can drive their car to their appointment? And get away a COVID test or a COVID shot? COVID, COVID vaccine. Which is a shot, right? Yeah. It's a shot. Yeah, well, you get the shot. You drive your car. Why, why would you use a driver car? Um, so they yeah. so still have Uber in England, right? Or it's like a non okay, so you might argue that it's not. You might argue that it's not yeah, necessary. Now we have the question. It's still, it's still, it's still, uh, but in theory, right? Suppose you live now. Roger Weiss argued that in England everybody probably lives close enough to walk because they have local clinics. But then he tells about the question in America about taking an Uber, um, right? But in theory, right? The question is, would you really be willing to Paskin that? So I, I got this, Shiloh, right? Somebody, right? Somebody, um, right? Somebody about drive. It was a complicated question because it involved you know, one person who, right, one person who is not Shomer Shabbos and two relatives, one of whom are Shomer Shabbos and one of them isn't, and trying to work out in a way that everybody would feel comfortable. But the bottom line, the end of the question is, right, you could simplify it to my elderly relative uh, currently has an appointment for a shot on Shabbos. If I cancel that appointment, they won't get it till Monday. The only way they can get to the appointment, right? Well, the only the only way they're willing to go to the appointment is if I drive. Them. And they're not willing to go in Ubers because Ubers scare them, because right, that's a, that's also a pico of right? They can say, I don't want to go with the driver. I don't know. Can you rent a Tesla? 
They can't drive. <laughs> the, the older people can't drive. Some people can't. No, oh, you're, you're yeah. not an older person. You can right. a Tesla. So the question is, like, what, there's always there's always a way out of this. The only way out of the derisa. You said the Tesla yes. is less derisa than For sure. the. Of course. Oh, I thought you meant like just get a self-driving car. No, no, no. She means you drive the Tesla, but Tesla's electric, but electric car. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think things get high enough in Teslas? No. To heat the metal to glowing? I have no clue. If they do, it's But if they do, it's certainly better than like actively burning fuel. It isn't. In general question, the heat is what creates the makes engine turn, I think. There's there's a spark plug in the combustion well, engine. Yeah, there's a spark plug. Actual, actual fuel is being burned in the combustion Good. Good. Right, let's. <laughs> that's good. Um, that might be more than one fifth of your amount of your yeah, yeah. money, also, by the way. Uh, the question is, Roger yeah. Weiss, confronted by this question. Confronted by this question, Roger Weiss said, it's not be cool up method. You can't violate your races. But if needed, you can violate your buttons. I know that because that fish is a binary, but that doesn't, but come on. <laughs> right? That's essentially, I think, a fair description of her voice is true. Like, come on, you understand this is the kind of thing that has a low enough risk that you can be out there, but not the races. And I don't know how to formulate it. It doesn't really make an effort, right? So that, that was like a, you know, a, a, sudden, uh, a sudden outbreak of common sense. Uh, so as a colleague, the colleague of mine said when I pointed something out in school, and he said, well, that's why briskers don't do halacha, because he was an end inconsistency. And uh, I was, uh, you know, so I, I think I have now proven that halacha is, I can demonstrate that halacha is inconsistent <laughs> about that specific issue, and that you can't demand consistency anymore. Mm -hmm. But okay, right, so that's, uh, so Russia Weiss um, came up with a way around that. The other example I teach generally about this is, I think I've yeah, I think it's the Siciliezer in the end. Um, I thought it was a measure. I think it's Siciliezer dealing with the uh, response. Maybe it's Ravavadia. Now I'm totally confused. The case was Ravavadia at some point was confronted by uh, eyewitness testimony that there were Jewish fishermen throwing crumbs into the Kinneret on Pesach as bait. Now, the thing is, if you take mm -hmm. a piece of bread and you leave it in water for 24 hours, there's a little bit of absorption. Chametz on Pesach is right becomes Asr bimashu permanently. It never becomes batel, and it asrs all the water it comes into contact with. At that point, the entire drinking water system of the state of Israel <laughs> came from the Kinneret. Boom! They decided to fly bottled water in from Turkey. I'll um, let you know that my uncle does only use bottled water, just bottled before Pesach on Pesach. Okay, right. That's true. But that's not, you know, keep your uncle doesn't think that it's all awesome because of this. But my point is, it's not ridiculous. Some, I know people who do that, who cook all food in bottled water. It's not inconceivable, I think is the word, right? I'm not sure the word ridiculous. <laughs> 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 but even he doesn't think it's year-round, you could add. Ah, that's true. That's true. That's true. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, how do you know any water's kosher year-round? Somebody like might maybe through a prominent who was Jewish on Pesach. That's right. Well, that's a, that's a suffix. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's not like speaking of Nefesh that it's us or the suffix, right? Even you could definitely. Well, but some of our love of Pesach is water, Any body of water you want on Pesach. Uh, I don't think that's hard. I'm not sure you're right. Let's see what like, do you want to say. I was just saying that after Pesach, it wouldn't be an issue because Chamei Shavar Lava Pesach can be battled. So presumably, there's not going to be a significant enough pr presence of Chamei in the uh, water after Pesach for it to be a problem. How much overlap of Pesach can be butzel, but everything became usher on Pesach? Yeah. So do we- That's within that category. Does it become, if it was, if it was ostrich on Pesach, does it become mutter after Pesach? Yeah, the thing, it doesn't remain, like the chametz doesn't continue to be oser b'mashahu in the things that like it osered, especially like 
Water isn't right. like one distinct little like. Uh, now that's a much more complicated question. What water is? But I think the generic would remain us, sir. Period. I just I don't think that's how the VTOL works. Uh, okay, so that's an open question. I think it, I think I think that whatever is bottle in remains. Because like since there is no longer an iser of chametz, it the only thing there, the only iser that remains is chametz shavar lava pesach. And there, that is not Oser Bamashu. I think it's very clever. I don't think it's true, but we can we can look it up afterwards. We can find out which one of us is correct. I'm happy to be disproven. Uh, I don't think that was the premise of the question. That's the only reason I think the other way is I think the premise of the Shiloh was the other way. And I don't think it was challenging, but could be right. But I don't. I don't. I don't think I don't think that's the way you're passing about grocery stores either. That things that right, I think I, I thought the things that, that it's uh, when, once they become battle, it's also well, alumnus. It's just that you can't that if you put them in new things, they're battle. But the things which were which the bitle would have had to work on Pesach remain us, I think. Okay, let's bracket that for now. My because my, my only point is I the, take it around with the owner who owns the grocery store. Well, it has to be Jewish, right? It has to be right because uh, there's nothing there's no answer for coming to non Jews. So maybe right? we can sell the entire Kinera to a non Jew. Well, this is, a, this is a whole separate show. Like one of the really fun childs I got when I was younger was somebody who discovered the week before Pesach that he had married into a family that owned the largest dry goods wholesaler oh. on the uh, on the on the East Coast. And so now, that, so that you know, that it was all family owned. And so now that he was a partner in a business that owned like tons and tons of chametz on Pesach, and trying to figure out you know, how you could how you could engage in a sale. Uh, the week before uh, the week the week before Pesach death because he never sold it before right it wasn't the rest of the family uh, right did, uh, wasn't halachi. Um, any case, I connected them to Rabbi Tights, uh, Rabbi Tights and Elizabeth, who is the pioneer of these the sale of commercial chametz in these in, in these ways. Um, okay, well my point with somebody I think is Eliezer says chametz chametz on Pesach is not is asr afilu bimashu, but not when it's not there. And this is so small that it's just not there. Right? It's not. It's not a mashu. So you invented a whole new category, right? It's, you know, it just it's not. You need a certain amount of common sense. Right. That's the. That. So I think that you know there are times when common sense um, makes attempts to make its way into halacha. There are poskim who think that where Weiss has a certain common sense, or Malamed has a wonderful common sense. Um, thing I don't know that I have it instinctively, but I try occasionally to achieve common sense. Um, I think you have to distinguish between two types of proskim. Like with Ovadia, always, almost always proskims with common sense, but he finds a way to make the sources safe. He doesn't frame he it. He doesn't frame way. it as common sense. But Ovadia consistently proskims with common sense correct outcome almost every time. Uh -huh. And then the people like me who claim it's common sense, but really it's just complicated lumbus. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Could be. Okay. So that's, I think that. That's for me the problem of um, the problem of Yom Kippur, right? Is that the there is a there is an instinct which might be common sense or might just be you know balbatish, right, whichever you want to say, uh, that thinks that some like it should be easier to be mocked. That what Shiurim does is lower the standard, and it's not just that the only question is is it bigoch nevesh, and then we say okay, it's bigoch nevesh. So uh, right, so each Shiurim, if because you, you don't have to eat full Shiurim. Right? I don't think that I don't, I don't I think that there's a strong sense that the purpose of Shuram is to is to diminish the starkness of the choice. That is always gonna be because always gonna be a challenge, right? You know, do we and, and people when I deal with it, do we right? What about somebody who right who needs you need to drink now, right? So why are you trying to start Shuram, right? Because we think we can reverse it, right? All sorts of challenges like that. So what I read 
I read Rav Bitsaka's piece. Now, Rav Bitsaka's piece is framed as um, there are four things that uh, I don't know which machon it was that he was uh, talking about. There are four things that this machon says before uh, before every Yom Kippur in his publications, and they're all wrong. Right? Right? If it's a uh, deliberately um, deliberately stark piece. The four things are: a) you have to ask a shaila before eating because it's fundamentally a question of a heter that has to be determined halakhically as opposed to a question of reality that you can determine for yourself. Um, two is that um, two is that the the only basis for allowing uh, for allowing eating on Yom Kippur full shurim for now right is actual pikuach nefesh, and he takes the position that it's not actual pikuach nefesh. All you require is an intensification of your illness, and that's a, also a radical thesis which we're not doing today. They should be aware that that he that this that we're doing part three. Part two was his claim that the standard the standard is not is not life threatening literally. Uh, it's a really intensification of illness. Uh, that's a really interesting reading, which if I had any kind of excuse to make it connect to our sure I would have happily have done with those also, but I couldn't figure out the excuse for that. Um, and the third part, the third part is that um, that that uh, right? There's no basis for lowering the standard to drink shurim as opposed to the main standard because it's still derisa. What difference is? And the fourth question is what the amount of time is uh, what the what the standard time is within which you have to drink less than a shear for drinking, which um, right we we tend to think that the, the time for drinking and eating is the same, and he argues that the time for drinking uh, actually is much much shorter, and you know as long as you don't take gulps, basically you're okay. Uh, right, that's some right because he argues that the shear for drinking is the shear of shtia kade revius, and then we've had a conversation in the family about whether shtia kade revius actually is that much shorter than than achilas than achilas achilas pras, and that this Ima and I had the conversation, or one of you, it must have been Ima and I had the conversation about um, whether we have. So my, my wife said that in polite parties people sip their wine. So who says that? Right, you drink a revius of wine any faster than you drink than you, than you drink an achilles of pra, achilles of pras in polite We know society. how much people are supposed to be drinking at a time when they drink wine, right? There's a camera about the etiquette for that. So but who says the standard is wine? If the standard is water, and water you're supposed to drink lots of. So he said that they never, they, they never drank water; they only drank wine. But say so yeah, but they drank wine like what? Right? It was, depends whether you're at right? depends whether you're at polite. You're in a polite society. Are you we're talking about the standard at polite dinner or the standard at lunch? Right, so right, it's very hard to figure out. Rabbi Saku believes that if that the standard is um, is uh, called rude society, I guess we have to call it that, right? So yeah, things what normal people do is they drink quite a bit of water at one shot. They don't sip their water all the way through unless they're in a, in a place where the where water is short and you'll you'll compel your host to refill your glass or something like that, and, you know, with difficulty or things like that. Okay. I'm just putting that on the table. That was also you know, an extremely liberating um, sock for me to see. Um, but it mm -hmm. also requires doing a, a, a lot of death because, again, it's the same thing. Like people, you know, what constitutes pikuach nefesh, right? You know, when people, <laughs> the long COVID is right. Long COVID, that's why it's going to be very lamasa, right? Because long COVID, nobody knows yeah. the risk of death. What you can say, you can say with a certain amount, right? People can say from experience, I know what I don't eat because I tried it on Shabbos or Batamos and that was only 12 hours, yeah. right? That I was sick for a week. Mm. Now, that's not pikuach nefesh. We don't have mm -hmm. studies knowing with that sickness for a week. 
is right is going to take years off your life the end of your life aside from the question of the years at the end of your life are different than the end and you they always take off years at the end of your life right but how many how rapidly does it have to take years at the end of your life right <laughs> right this is the, the question you know if i do something now right and that you know that will okay. decrease my life expectancy for expectancy from 120 to 119. That's a self-manufactured problem you've only got that problem because you've thrown out the disease paradigm which everyone's always used until the last 50 years so once you've thrown that out you have to worry about that if, if all you're worrying about is the same disease or different disease and it's easy it's easy that it doesn't smoking help. is not the same disease that kills you you've got a new disease that while smoking it kills you right so, so therefore smoking right so the, smoking would not be a problem whereas long covid might be what kills you so okay. you've thrown that out because you don't like it because there's a lot of problems with modern medicine there's for reasonable reasons i'm not objecting my point is that you have to recognize that the problem you have here is a manufactured problem if you just use the disease paradigm it's an easy question there's lots of literature about it but what's one disease what's a disease that progresses what's two diseases yeah i, I that's we get into like yeah we don't even know what a species is anymore the notion that we can know what a disease is and we don't know what a species is, is very hard for me to believe like i said i agree with you that you've thrown it out and that there are good reasons for throwing it out but my point is you, you have to you recognize it's a symptom of throwing out that paradigm it's not an intrinsic problem because uh, okay we had that whole conversation about medical history and whether like where the whole concept of disease comes from mm -hmm. and whether you know long-term disease was ever you know is a category in certain kinds of medicine mm -hmm. right as opposed to imbalance in the body right right so um right so i'm, I'm not at all convinced okay interesting thesis i'm not at all convinced i don't want to uh maybe this is off topic but i just want to say that um like I heard a rabbi talking about this topic, actually, I think it was the Babisha Rabbi, that basically like in the past, especially in the times, like just even even like 100 years ago and even in Russia, like 20 years ago, maybe in Russia till today, actually, it's like there's no really such concept of like preventative things and like making a surgery in advance. Mm -hmm. It's like usually like somebody's already like in an illness and then we... Okay. We do something. Interesting. So, but it's like totally different. I feel like almost everything in the Talmud about this is not necessarily keep uh has modern medicine in interesting and okay. modern like polls. so just my general bias is the, you know the claims of the past is totally different than we have lines so i tend to think the past that you know i have, have a tend to think that most ideas occur cyclically that you know with different degrees of um different details and different right mm -hmm. but you know but things like atomic theory and you know, you know yeah. basically right. i tend to think they turn they turn on uh fundamental philosophic questions yeah, no, not to say that there's nothing like relevant in the Talmud about this, but I think just like medicine changed Maybe. so dramatically in but recent years. Medicine that, changed, like, yeah. I'm just saying, I don't want to generalize that because medicine whole... is different in different cultures, even today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and and you could, whatever, I, I've been influenced by uh, Ted, Ted, Ted Capshuk's The Web That Has No Weaver. Uh, um, I think that's a really useful book to read about different paradigms of Western English, Western and, and Eastern medicine and how they still play, play out nowadays. Um, but anyway, that's a tangent. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm totally an amateur uh, on this issue, and so you should just—it's just, just self-disclosure right. about where I where I work from. Mm -hmm. I tend not to believe in stark distinctions in the past and the present on yeah. conceptual issues. But okay. if you look at section three, the whole section three, you can't understand any source you read because they're all working on the disease paradigm, and he's not. Well, let's see. Well, you have my reading section. So, three, what so is the disease uh, paradigm? I've heard a couple. The disease stuff. paradigm is that. There's a thing called a dangerous disease and a non-dangerous disease. If you have a dangerous disease, there are all kinds of things that matter. If a non-dangerous disease is not, and non-dangerous diseases can turn into dangerous diseases, there's a whole other set of things that matter. If you have a non-dangerous disease, that might turn into a dangerous disease if you don't do this. And that we don't evaluate the situation, we evaluate the disease. In other words, if you have a dangerous disease, even if you're this thing might not kill you, will just make your dangerous disease worse, then we'll say you can do this thing. Whereas if you don't have a dangerous disease, we even if it's the same probability of killing you 
we can calculate the probability that this person will die due to not doing this is X. And even if X is equal, so it's not a disease question. It. It's a question of are you going to a Roth who's going to give you an answer that's specific to you, or are you going by a no, it's binary. not specific to you, it's so not maybe, specific so to you. Maybe you're like equally sick with a cold or with COVID, but because COVID is a dangerous disease, right? We treat that more seriously. No, that's not that what I was trying to say. I was saying that you okay, are if if you have a blood problem with your blood pressure. I'm um, not sure. We might call that a disease too. That's, that's what gets that complicated when we talk about the non-deficient diseases. That's not what I'm what okay. I'm saying. Whatever. Let's, My point is there's this whole idea of a disease that they work with and that that allows things that aren't dangerous that we treat as people with nefesh a lot of times. Like a lot of Rishonim will talk about things that are not dangerous. Like somebody with COVID probably isn't put in danger by but, not drinking. What? I don't know why you need a disease. Just say makat halal. Sure. Somebody who is stabbed through the stomach or whatever is probably the pillow is not going to make it more or less safe. But we'll say because you said the pillow. Uh, yes, he wants a pillow under his head. He can be stabbed through the stomach, and it's not going to affect whether he survives at all. But we'll say because he is in great danger, we will treat his wants as pikuach nefesh, and we will go out and buy the pillow and shovels. Okay. That, that that's an example of where. Right. So who do you think called the disease paradigm? And I tend to think of it much more as formalization mm -hmm. of categories of different purpose. But I think all we showed him would agree with that situation, right? If someone is stabbed through the stomach in danger of death, and they ask for a pillow. Yeah, on we also think same thing. No matter what, anything, anytime anybody is in the coronavirus issue, can that say trauma light? Because we think that mental condition affects. Uh, we, we think that the phenomenon of having your will obeyed is good for your health maybe or maybe we just think that people who are in danger we treat them as in danger and we treat them okay so that's why we're, we're going to back this down Fine, we'll back it. Isn't it like mefarash um that like a pregnant woman wants like a thing that isn't kosher about to give it to her yes right right but the question is whether you know whether whether that actually poses a physical threat is it because of the psychological condition is it specifically about pregnant women probably not it's probably about anybody. demons Okay. Well, <laughs> just decide. But the um. I just want to decide. I just want to finish the sentence. But the end of the thing is, is, let's say someone has a cold, which is not dangerous at all, and they want to pillow that their mucus drains more easily, and which actually will help them. But it's not, and it's more likely to save their life, and the really off chance that they like get pneumonia and X can go down the trip. So they really will be made healthier by this pillow. We wouldn't buy it for them on Shabbos because they don't have a dangerous disease, even though it would more likely to save their life than the person who stabbed their stomach who's dying. So maybe the third option is like we learned a couple of days ago that we trust that the person knows what's best for their own health um, in the case of a dangerous disease. Sure. And in the case of not dangerous disease, then we don't trust them. Sure, you could take something like that. You could say whatever you want, but my point is this paradigm is pretty much erased as we get later and later into the definition of disease, which was fuzzier and fuzzier and harder and harder. So, yeah, uh, uses this paradigm. Sure. This paradigm. So we're just going to end up you know, calling Rosilderstein pre-modern. So, right? But it turns out lots of people are pre-modern now, right? So I don't sure, know. So we, could, so we could still use it, we could still not use it. My point is, I think the fact that this exists has to be acknowledged, and the fact that most of the sources you're reading have this in their head. You have to, like all the shown it, think about this. Okay, let's bracket the dogs. I'm not sure we're right. Okay, and this is not the section we're doing anyway. Sorry, right? right? section we're doing is the right, uh, is the response to the question of whether shiurim should have a different standard than right than eating a full share, right? And Rabbi Saku says, "Achila l'shtia l'shiurim pofechet et achila v'hashtia l'isurim kalim." They turned them into light isurim. Right now, all of you have in your heads, I'm sure, right, that you know yotayodea. Is it right? Is it right? Uh, right? Tabi Zayir commits the Kalak of Akumura. And uh, Rabbi Sako, and I think that's probably, you know, probably Spartan do this more often than Ashkenazim. 
Uh, everyone has to deal with balance with, with contradictions in Allah. Some of which say you don't know what the outcome is, and some of which say you do right, you do, right, that you do know which misfit are more serious. We have laws of precedence. Um, and whether we treat the cases, you know, we say that there are laws of precedence, but there are exceptions, and we follow them, we follow the general rules, whether we say that actually we should always, you know, the rules are just there to cover certain kinds of formal circumstances. We don't actually believe it's substantively true that the right that these mitzvot are more important than the others just says we have the halacha right that, you, you know, if you, that the untranslatable names whatever it is are have the same kedusha in the sefer torah as an okay hashem as an right okay hashem and on the other hand not always right and the whole tension about what we do about the sarta de bros and all of things sorts of things like that so we live with that tension um another I, option too yeah. which is that uh, certain mitzvot are only created to protect certain other mitzvot and while we don't do general comparison we can do specific comparisons like there's no situation even if you think it's the right where you uh, have relationship with anita to avoid the gear because the gear is only created to prevent yourself from having a relationship with anita even though we don't know which is the isokal and which is isokal you have obviously not listened to the rhetoric about mixed dancing <laughs> my point is you never, <laughs> never Never have yichud with Adi with Adida to avoid mixed dancing because the whole point of mixed dancing is to prevent that. You think so? But why not? <laughs> and you know, similarly, we could argue the whole point of chesishir. Some, according to I don't know, at least half the explanation of chesishir, we could say that the whole point of chesishir is to prevent you from doing so, itself. When I was in tenth grade, I proposed some kind of solution, which is based on the idea, I think that um, that Balyira and Balyimatsi and Pesach were siyagim de oresa, and there was a protest in the base medrash. I think. Led by Rabbi Ari Center, I think is now the, as it may have inherited Chafke. Mm -hmm. And we looked it up and discovered that happily the encyclopedia Talmudit was up to Gimel, and it has under in its article under Xera, it has a subsection of Xera's Deresa, and the Rishonim will hold that, and the Rishonim will reject it. So you can take a look, right? Whether there is a category of Xera Deresa, some people think that that only works according to the people who hold Darshin and Talmudic Krah. But it's a violation, right? But if you hold loader shouldn't time to cross, then you can't say it's exactly right because obviously you're saying exactly what the purpose of it is. I mean, you hold this too about some mitzvah. You don't think you can never be matir. Yeah, I hold there shouldn't time to cross. No, but you also hold you can never be matir, you know, of a desire for anything. I hold that. You think like, that even, even in the Horaz even when you normally can undo other mitzvah, a desire can never be undone. Uh, I think that's probably there's one chassidish trivo. I forget which one. Maybe it's a different tziv who says that that who says that you can be matir of others or it's bit for ourselves, Yisrael, just like you cannot be matir Ilya uh, Rayos. Okay. But I like to think there's one non-negotiable, like the one absolute. But because you think it's more chamor, or at least that it can be treated as more chamor okay. when you're trading Good. off one for another. Good. Right. So let's, I, I I will end up with the I right, I will end up with you know with, this is one of the areas where I will. I like to think it a very sophisticated, I suppose, about Albatish way. So like, this is what it is. So I'll frame it like this is one of the cases where you have to live with the tension. And what's really going on is a dialectic, right? So now it's much fancier than saying that we don't, we don't try to be coherent. <laughs> right, those are all different, right? Different cultural ways of, 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 uh, of saying the same thing. Um, sometimes, so some, you know, all mitzvahs are equal, but some mitzvahs are more equal than others might be another way of, of, uh, of saying it. Okay. So, Rabbi Sacco is more is more instinctively more willing to rely like he, he likes to put in the realm in the, in the parish Mishnayos who says look skila is more common than three right, right you have an actually you have an actual hierarchy of, of severity of Yisurim which is substantive and not just formal um the context so I always like to I like to quote the um the Kenai Seven because we were discussing it so I started finding more Makarot but uh there are a couple of great examples uh, the Gemara talks about um, that you don't get gullus for um, 
for, for killing somebody somebody negligently as opposed to accidentally because it's um, because exile is too severe a pun exile is too severe a punishment but the lesser punishments aren't good enough for you oh, sorry, exile is too exile is not severe enough a punishment sorry because you, you because it's not purely accidental but you don't deserve the death penalty because it wasn't deliberate so you get nothing um, the marshal the marshal likes talking about if you sacrifice all your children to Moloch, then you don't get killed. Um, and I like quoting one side of the Meshachachma. I think it's right. Meshachachma said, Sacrificing all your children? Pardon? Why would you not get killed for sacrificing all your children? Ah, why? Right, it's right. Oh, that's the Pasuk. All your children to a different God than that. Like if I sacrificed all my kids to Balpit or because that's not his, like, that's right. That's true. So anyway, so all, you know, all sorts of cases that the Marsha says, right, that um, sacrificing all your children to Moloch is so horrible that you don't deserve the kapara of death. Mm-hmm. And the Meshachachma, as, as one side of the Meshachachma suggested, that's why uh, killing non-Jews is not a capital crime, whereas killing Jews is. That killing non-Jews <laughs> is so much worse because it has the worst element of Phil Hashem that you don't deserve the kapara of execution. So I like that one very much. Oh, uh, okay. didn't. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Right. All those are all. Uh, there. There are other examples, and the. I, so I found this time that the Maras Chayes says that there are lots of examples like Mola, where um, right where if you do part of the Avera, you get you get something, but if you do all of it, you don't. Um, there are all sorts of other cases. Right. Any case. So right. you get on Maisie the Shogeg. That's the famous, most famous old about this. Where Maisie or Shogeg, you get the Kapara of a Korban. Maisie, you can't pick a Korban if something is Maisie ever because you don't deserve the Kapara that the Korban would give you. Okay, right. So he's taking the same principle as we have by Shogeg Karla Maisie. Fine. Okay, right. So these are those are our uh, right backgrounds that, that you have to you have to think about that question. The question is, what is Rav Bitsak? Rav Bitsak says that he thinks that we're going to end up with gradations within Dioraisas. And that is so. That is not a that's not a radical position in its in its own right. right? It just requires taking um, one side of the dialectic um, in the particular case. What is radical is the I think the extent of the gap he opens up between derises between derises, and I think and then you'll get right. I think that he inserts the rabbanans between the two levels of derises, and he does it in a particular way. Okay, so let's take a look what he says. Right, sorry, he, quotes, he quotes the Shulchan Aruch. Right, we're reading section four now. He quotes the Shulchan Aruch. Um, the Shulchan Aruch sets it up in what seems like a very right. right, right, right you feed the right, pregnant or sick, then you feed them shiurim, and if you measure them and you discover the shiurim are not enough, whether you do that or right, or the chola says the shiurim are not enough, or you're not sure whether it's not enough. So right, so if if, if there's a suffix about whether the shiurim will resolve the pikuach nefesh, so that becomes something pikuach nefesh, and you feed them the full shiurim. Right, that's muskam halacha. Okay, then he tells you the muskam halacha as he understands it about what um, what the what the shear of uh, of Yom Kippur is, and it's interesting why it says zos mishum. Why why does the shear of Yom Kippur kosevas agasa? Shachila kazu margia et adam umevatelet et ainu eshliyama kippurim. All right, so that is a reformulation of what the Gemara says. Right, that there's some element of satiety. Um, right, the Gemara does this in its own right. Its own attempt to deal with the question of how you whether you have whether you have um, one size fits all shurim or whether you have subjective shurim. If the purpose of, of if on Yom Kippur we use a kosevus agasa rather than a kazayas because we're not trying to define the action of eating, we're trying to define the effect on you, meaning what, what it takes to to avoid inui. But that should be subjective. 
As the Gemara raises the Og Melech paradigm, right? Why does no, why, why, why shouldn't the Shira for the over for Og Melech mm-hmm. be an entire horse, right? As opposed, to, right? It was right. The Gemara answers, which you can say is like obviously you know, the Gemara having interviewed Og Melech or his doctors, uh, right, and hooked him up to EKG, right, to EEGs and things like that. Knew exactly that if you eat when Og Melech ate something the size of a date, right, all the little pleasure centers in his brain, where his brain went off, whereas right, and, you know, just like every other human being. Right, his pleasure centers go off exactly when they right when they eat exactly a date. You can watch it like it goes not, nothing there, right? You know, the, the voltage hasn't reached its necessary potential and hard switch, and everything goes up. Or you can say to the commercial, hey, look, you know what? You need sometimes you need to make decisions and you make a shear based on what works generally, and it's not gonna work for everybody, right? So you can understand take the commercial however way, however you want. Still so fancy if this question goes. Okay, all uh, right. So, so uh, right. So, um, Rav Sacco reframes that you know, mesva, right? That mesva uh, date, whatever it is, right, is uh, is margia data shaladam min ha'inui. That word inui is going to be very important too, right? So that that formulation. Okay, so he says the makor for this din is a sugya in krisos about which many commentaries have been written, and now he makes a strong claim. Chelak min rishonim. Okay, so is that true? And we're on the it's the bottom line in the in the text itself. Okay. Of uh of page right above right above footnote four. Yes. What do you think? So. You think you assume so? He brings up the tumor and not the Yom Kippur, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, but it's like you know, this is like if, don't don't assume anything. Okay. Anytime people say like like this, it could be like they can make claims like this, and it could be mm-hmm. completely because they read a particular source that way. Yeah. And right, it could be that there's an there's a totally ambiguous text mm-hmm. that everybody cites, and they interpret they interpret it one way. I don't know if that's true here, right? But just what I ask you, it is true of the Rosh. Okay, when I ask you to say this, just saying, please don't ever, but I want to know if someone's true, don't assume anything they say is true. Okay, doubt everybody. <laughs> um, and that's how you learn. That's how you learn. And you, mm-hmm. and, and you discover that, like, even, you know, like, uh, the greatest of uh, sometimes make wild assumptions that you look up and just discover that they claim no one ever said this, but what they really mean is that every time somebody says it, they assume they mean something else. <laughs> uh, happens over and over again. To me too, because, you know, people say that to me also. You finally wake up and you discover. Um, you know, I loved. Uh, I was talking about the time that my chavrusa fought Dr. Soloveitchik in a Rambam. He looked at me and said, "My goodness, I've been misreading that Rambam since I was 12. That was right mm-hmm. before the speech when everybody should learn your day for the bar mitzvah. With uh, the way he did it, and it's really silly to have be advanced learning. <laughs> um, you can all teach that to your kids. You should all learn your day, your day before your bar mitzvah. It's important to know kashrus. Any case, uh, but yeah, I, there are things that I, you know, every once in a while, that just like there are, like, I had been, like, since I was 12, I thought there was a style of Persian rug called the Hertz, and it's really the Hariz, but because I heard it as Hertz when I was 12, I've been reading the mm-hmm. I as a T for the last 40 years, um, right, so it happens, it happens, happens in leaning, right, you know, mm-hmm. they make mistakes, you discover that, okay, yeah. don't, don't trust it, he makes a claim, we don't have the, any, no one has challenged it to date, that there are Rishonim who, right, who don't mention the requirement to try Chatzishir before Shir. Now, there are two ways in which you can 
understand that. You can say that they don't mention the requirement because, well, I guess you say they don't mention the requirement because it, you can say they don't think it ever, it ever works, right? That could be a reality claim. They could say that it, they could say that it makes no difference. And they could say, that, um, okay, I guess those are your two best answers. Yes, you could also say that's not how Pico of Nefesh works. The same way we say we don't give Pico of Nefesh to, you know, lesser people we sell, we say that if it's a Pico of Nefesh case, you should do what you need normally would do to make the patient healthy. Oh, right. you could claim that it, you could claim that there's no reason you don't to, need to do you don't need to do you don't need, you don't need to do it okay so there's a data point right the data point is that um that there are right but at least the claim the claim the data point is that there are rishonim who leave out the hierarchical structure and that the problem with that is that the hierarchical structure seems to be mentioned explicitly in Croesus the solution to that is to claim that Croesus is not talking about the Isra of Achillonim Kippur, which is right. If you looked it up, you would discover is plausible in context. Um, but then you also have to claim explain why would it make a difference? Right? Why would right? Why would why would we say Machino to Akal for the purposes of Timas, right? Of Timas Oakland, but not for the purposes uh, of Yom Kippur, to which the answer is. There are different levels of Isra. Yeah, so why no, because you... you're not tummy. It's, it actually accomplishes something concrete, right? Like if you have of something tummy, then you're not tummy. Yeah. Right? That, that's a concrete effect. There's no concrete effect of eating Pachosmikashir on your Okay, right. So you yeah. right, that it's that it's right, that it, that it's right, that you can't that there are different goals to right. The per, the re, the reason yeah. the purpose the purpose of Kalakal is not to lower the level of the prohibition. It's not right. It's not to get you to eat chasishir. It's to assault, It's to not. It's to make you not tummy. Right. Right. There's I mean, probably also. But also, like the amounts are different, which probably matters also. Right. Like, like the amount for for drinking at least is much larger. Um, right. That might make a difference. That makes it more practical. Yeah. That you that sure would work. Okay. Right. So right. So we can we can insert such claims right into the. I would also not yeah. assume that they are. Uh, to our halakhic areas are comparable unless there was a reason to assume so. Like, well, okay, you can set the default the other way. The Valdam yes. is not into interdisciplinary connections a lot of times in the way that post pacifistic people are. So it would be honestly a little weird if he had no source for Well, no, it's not true. Sorry, that was a lie. That was a bad point. The reason it's a bad point is because the Bahag already does it. And once the Bahag does it, the Valdam has the Bahag. So if he doesn't do it once the Bahag does it, I think it means something. Okay. I'm going to check my point. Okay. <laughs> um, Okay, right. So, so data point one is that, right? There are shonim who don't say it. Um, it doesn't seem to be a Rambam. The okay, right? Let's we'll, we'll call we'll call those rishonim the Rambam for now. Mm -hmm. um, question then is okay, but maybe it's maybe it's unreasonable position that we can reject out of hand, even if it's a great rishon, or at least we can we could be machria the issue by saying that we have a we have a dispositive question. So now the issue generally is whether we care dispositive questions are enough to get to change the sheets of Rishonim. But part of the issue is going to be what our, you know, which way our default is going to be. Do we have to prove that Shurim are necessary? Do we have to prove that Shurim are unnecessary? But if you have a suffix about whether Shurim are necessary or not, what are you going to do? We're going to say, well, suffix pikof nefesh. So, right, so there's always a risk and delay in time, or do we say, no, you already, right, obviously you didn't consider that risk that risk worthy enough, because if, if it really added to people of then you would never have started that way also. So then we felt the other way, right, what, what entitles you to skip to a full shear when, when, right, when there's the possibility you have to, that you have to use chasishir, and maybe the full shear is an Isra de Arisa now, right, because it's not hutra, right, so, right, so you can figure out what the default is. And figure out what you think the default. But we don't do pikuach nefesh that way ever. We never say it's pikuach nefesh. Let's try the easy thing and see if it works, and something harder and something harder. 
I mean, we. Why not? It depends when. I guess we do occasionally do a call a call. I guess we. That's, this is it. I guess this is it. So I don't know. You have briskers in your head. He's going to talk about briskers. <laughs> and he gets to refine. <laughs> Uh, right, the the iser of, of the the iser of trying to do hakal hakal um, on Shabbos. Right, that's what you have in your head that we don't do it that way because we because we live in Boston. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we also have the Rambam, which is the Gedolei so. Right, well, right. that's all. You know, every once in a while, you know, I, I picked up that random chulin that they met around the corner from my father, uh, you know, who Paskin wildly lachumra in birthing kate you know it, even even with with pregnant women that was like oh my goodness the way we think about halacha is a really really interest culturally interesting uh way about because that it really wasn't uh and it, yeah we could argue this because we just thank god we expect to die a lot less mm-hmm. and so we are much more mocking about because situations that in past generations they would not have thought of as at all and we like all the formalisms uh, yeah yeah i just i I just I don't know agree or disagree, but it's more like it's more nuanced I think than that because it's not like now that now that we know so much more about medicine. No, not we know so more. Just no, we, we expect are that also we, way more likely to survive. No, but now that we know more, so we know the risks of things. More. No, but also there's okay, almost so, a zero percent chance that you will know, die like in childbirth. It's like one in a hundred thousand or something like that, right? Like like they like for them it was probably one in a hundred. It's a huge difference. One in a hundred. I think it is in some dangerous countries. I think yeah. it's more, I think it's still one in twenty in some countries. Yeah, it probably like, depends on how rich you are, a lot. Yes, and the time period. There's a lot. Not, I don't think it's one in twenty any individual are. birth, though, right? It's one in twenty women die in childbirth. Yeah, no, I think it's. I think it's only like. Which is, right. which I is definitely a, looked up at some point. Which it was amazing. close to one in hundred in some of the. Right, which is just right. So you know, so when you, when you figure right, pretty you're dealing with experience of women, right? That you mm-hmm. know that five percent, right? Assume they're going to die this way, right? So then you know, one percent risk in other circumstances just don't seem so real. Okay. Yeah. Right, because that's part of right. However, you justify, mm. right? You know why it's not why it's why it's much to become pregnant, uh, right? Right, that would be a whole question. <laughs> yeah, that could be a whole question. Yeah, five percent right. risk. Right? Uh, why should that, right? Yeah. Why should right? That's the whole question. Or yeah. Why? Why it was? Why it was? We also expect almost all of our children to survive their first year. That's also a big. This deal. is true. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing yeah. thing, right? That that are that you know that we we have such raised expectations. That we can then extend people's knowledge out to, to to circumstances that probably reasonably many many in prior generations would have thought is that's we can do it. But we can talk about Trump saying Hashem, right? That we right that you know that in a society where everybody expects to get hit by a falling pot belly stove, stove, right? So you don't worry about uh, whatever if you happen to live in a place where it rains stoves. It's not really worth your cartoon. Don't get obsessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, any case, right? It's a society where people expect in wartime, right? In war in wartime. People aren't right, are not likely to uh, right you know with bombs you know bursting air all around you. People are not likely to start saying, well, you should really be careful when you know when you do that because you might cut yourself and get tetanus. <laughs> and like, it was like you know that's just not the thing you care about right in a war zone. No, but there are also things that we know are dangerous now that we didn't. Uh, that's true, also. Right, we were much better at recognizing cancer. That's a big deal. And there are things we know aren't dangerous, right? Which we still do halakhically because we have formalized, right? As we talked about because of fish, like we. We extended like even if anything that ever was pikuach we're still happy. Well, I think because... like the pregnancy thing really pushes the window because we assume that pregnancy is dangerous, even though we know that it is not. That's right. Pregnancy is a good model. Well, it depends for for some of us. For not. almost no- nobody is okay. It's not, yeah, you need to specify in America. Fifty-eight thousand women died in one year of uh, in two thousand fifteen in Nigeria. Um, Three hundred for every hundred thousand births globally. The people who are asking Charles and Kevin are mostly not living in Nigeria. 
I feel very well, confident. Okay, right. let's leave that. You know, but, uh, I'm just I had no idea this is terrible. Yeah. This is Nigeria. Yeah, in third world countries. They don't have. But it's very small. Yeah. yeah. Well, also you know that the rate in uh, in poor in poor countries in the United States is uh, like it's five to six times the rate in rich counties, and uh, some places, with birth and child. Uh, yeah, and in some cases approaches the. I mean, the US has a high one for small countries. countries the, they're still extremely yeah, like people where, don't go to doctors so much, or like no, things like no, that. not people. So why? That's a big question. Yeah, that's a very big question. But nonetheless, but it's a scandal. It's an incredible scandal that we have. Every day, eight hundred and thirty women die in childbirth in America. No, 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 in the world. That's a lot every right. day. Yeah. And that's 100% preventable by current, you know, current medicine. Okay, good. So it makes right. you concerned when you say, you know, my culture, your culture, medicine, you know, I'm not going to come down one medicine is better than the other. Well, it may. Well, a lot of it is infection, I think, which is. Or access to clean water. Hmm. Access to clean water. I, I think infection. Access to clean water. Um, bleeding. Pardon? I think in like access to Definitive factors in like mm -hmm. stds okay good uh, right oh nutrition all all sorts of okay <laughs> okay so there's right so the um there's a sugi increase so the ramam the ram doesn't quote a lot we're going to turn the page now right right so the the russian his group um right said you have to eat shirim on your kipper right we quote the mccourt we quote the mccourt for that um, the like the rush, and then I, somebody else should read this 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 sentence to me. Um, here, it's probably why don't you read the sentence? Well, which the Kach Amur? Oh yeah, Lati Misaber. Yeah. Lati Misaber. Shavit Yosef Yadash Shitat Harosh Inanam Skema Rishonim Bulam Hu Eviotal Halacha Mitzit Sikotam Shli Yisrael. What does that mean? <laughs> Yosef couldn't possibly have thought that the Shishon was agreed upon in the, by the Rishonim, even though it literally is agreed upon by the Rishonim, and that's clearly what the Yosef says, and he quotes several Rishonim who agree with it. Yosef couldn't possibly have believed here. that, because the Rambam said that he didn't say it. So, you know, the Yosef obviously, you know, must have uh, understood that the Rambam disagreed with it, and therefore the Rishonim must have gone mostly gone against it. Um, so the, the only reason the Yosef could possibly have for bringing this weird Shita of the Rosh, which is only followed by people like Agos Mimonio, and the Ron and the Bahag. Um, the only possible reason is because, uh, you know, of like like of a psychological reason, which he, uh, you know, had about uh, his his perception of how Jews think. Okay, and what's the no, just, <laughs> I love an amazing thing, right? This is not just an amazing sentence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it requires certain, you know, right? We've established the data point that the uh, that there exists the Rambam who doesn't believe that Shurim applies to Yom Kippur. Then we take we that haven't established that. Like the Beis Yosef could easily just believe the Rambam didn't bother mentioning it, and the Beis Yosef cares right. about like you know two out of three. Okay. Then so we have like, then we have data point right. So we'll get data point A is that's what the Rambam says. Data point B is that unless proven otherwise, the Beis Yosef correctly understands the Rambam. Data point right. Data point C is if the Beis Yosef correctly understands the Rambam, or assumptions right is that if the Beis Yosef correctly understands the Rambam, he would never leave him out. Right. Therefore, right. Therefore, since the since since the Shulchan Aruch here behaves anomalously by leaving out an an obvious position of the Rambam and presenting the rush against the Rambam as if it were consensus, which is anomalous. If he if Beis Yosef did if the Rambam had said anything, if the Beis Yosef did understand the Rambam that way, it's still anomalous that the Beis Yosef doesn't mention the possibility of the Rambam says that way. Right. That 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 that, that, that is that is an anomaly. I don't think you can get out of that anomaly. Um, and I don't know if it just normally does. No, it doesn't say. No, 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 no. The Rambam and the Riff hold something, even if it disagrees with most of the other Rishonim. Usually, if like the Riff and the Rambam both hold something, that's often how we'll pass it. So, like, he says he will. 
if the right. Rambam says nothing and the Rosh says something and the Torah says something and the Baha'u says something and the Ron says something. Okay, right, so there's a fair question. It is correct. The Beis Yosef says in the Torah that if the Rambam that he'll possibly like the Rambam the Rosh against the Rosh. But the weird thing in this guy's sentence is the is the saying that like it's not in a muskami like because that's just wrong but like it is weird it is weird for him not to have brought the rambam's parish like it, it's wrong that the rosh is the only one to to hold like this that this is some kind of anomalous opinion but it is strange for the bit yosef not okay to. so you're only interested like, he's only says you know you're reading in muskemis as it's an anomalous position I, I think you could just say it just means it's not consensus. And so the Beis Yosef shouldn't present it as consensus. He should present it as controversial. Okay, but it's like really like, like he's trying to minimize it, right? He like describes it as Harosh Vesiato, right? Like that's, he's like describing it as if it's this does like minority it? position held by the Rosh. People agree with him, but it's not. And the Beis Yosef doesn't portray it that way. Does anybody say explicitly the other way? No, that's my point. I don't think Beis Yosef thinks it's not consensus. I don't think Beis Yosef realizes right, so it. I, so I think it's I think it's plausible for the Beis Yosef that that you know, it's reading the Beis Yosef generally that the Beis Yosef, I think Yehuda is right, doesn't as a standard take arguments from silence as proof. Mm -hmm. I would rather say it's right. Let's not manufacture my focus. I, 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 I this is another big fight I had in camp when I was younger, right? Where somebody was yelling at me that you know that part of the principle of which he found that it's mentioned in the the Amalfi quotes the person who says this that you know our goal is to many is to create shalom in Israel. So whenever right, so if one position is stated, one and the other position isn't stated, we assume that the position that the that the that the, the silent position agrees with the other one, right? Because our goal is not to mac to maximize machloket. Now you know if you're trained in uh, you know in religious in a Rosenzweig's model of the whole goal, in fact, the goal is to maximize my focus, <laughs> uh, right? Because that way you have more positions and the whole goal is to explain it, to have there be as many positions as possible. So, you know, so whether that relates to Psaq or not in the same way is not clear. Okay, Does so- Does it matter to you that the Vesiosa quotes the Rambam in explaining this position? He quotes the Rambam- As to say how long you have to wait between Shuri and he quotes the Rambam's position as being different from other people's position and how long you have to wait between Shuri without commenting to the old terms. I- I think it's uh, I, I I tend to think, but I, I'm not saying this on the I haven't I haven't really invested myself as deeply into the sugi as I wanted to, so I'm glad to have you know, to have your feedback. My my instinct is that Yehuda is right, and that the uh, the Beis Yosef assumes that the Ramam agrees with the Rush, and he's not, and that's that that's not unusual because as opposed to you know, the Beis Yosef does think the Ramam you know, the Ram is interdisciplinary that way if you quote it in one word and if you quote it in one area right why you have to, it's not that you have, right, you have to assume that he understands that Gemara differently than somebody else on the basis of silence and that's a whole position on the other hand I have argued but Dr. Salvation didn't agree with me that the whole that every just about everything in Chirishi Agrach al Rambam is built in arguments from silence uh, the whole structure of Rechaim is to right, is to is to build up arguments from asylum, um, that the Ram, Ram didn't say it therefore. So right, those important methodological shifts. Okay, this is a strong argument from silence. So as arguing from silence go, you read the language of the Rambam, it doesn't really sound like he thinks you have to eat cherry for this. So you think you think that you think that Rabbi Sacco is right about the Rambam, but so. wrong about the Beis Yosef's understanding yes, of Rambam. That's right. That seems okay. very plausible. Right, so that's an interesting halachic outcome, right? What would we do? What do you do, right? This is a, you know, what do you do if the Beis Yosef gets it wrong? The same mean, thing you always do. Which is? Whatever you always cost... do, like I said. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> we just possibly like the Rosh anyway, given that like all the Rishonim seem to agree with them? the Rosh doesn't agree with the Rosh. That's a major issue. Yes. The Rosh you can read as the most mockery reading of the Rosh, you could say, like I said, you could use the Chatzishir prevents you from doing the Easter reading of the Rosh, that works just fine. 
The Rosh thinks the reason you do chatsi share first is because you're going to have to feed them the thing anyway. And so... No, it, he, never tried, it, he never tries to claim the Rosh agrees with him. He only claims that the only reason the Bezosev could bring it is if the Bezosev ah, agreed with him. Fine. Right. He thinks the Bezosev passing like the Rosh against the Rambam is an anomaly. And he, being a Sparty, is entitled to but right, is entitled to say that the that of course, right, therefore, right, Vesiosef, why is Vesiosef quoting the Russia at all, let alone his consensus? Vesiosef has undermined his credibility by presenting the Russia's consensus when, when it's not. It must therefore be that we're dealing with rhetoric as opposed to really bizarre because he because he doesn't really think it's rhetoric, right? Like 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 in the continuation of his argument, he takes it really, really seriously that this is just inesser, right? Like he he brings it in like a like a like a position of toast in order to say that. Like he really does think there's okay, a difference. Let's get there. He just doesn't right it doesn't sound like you're eating him sure you're giving him sure him first and seeing how he is and doing it again i think that you just keep feeding him until he says it yeah, yeah. maybe you're feeding him in really small increments it doesn't say otherwise <laughs> like i said it's, it's a strong argument for silence it is okay argument for silence, but i, I think mm -hmm. it's probably right especially if we assume the mother has the bahag in front of him which i don't know enough about the mom to know for sure if he does but it's not impossible so maybe you're taking you know medium-sized eggs the, and slicing the tops off and handing them to him until he says enough <laughs> at nine minute intervals exactly yeah. <laughs> said if that's what you're expected to be doing pardon i just feel like that phrasing I feel like if you're expected to be giving them like tiny little bits, you should say so. Yeah, good argument. Okay, mm -hmm. so interesting question, the halacha, which uh, right, what we should do if right when we what we should do within the terms of the general kolehara, um, and then the general then the question of what we should do when we think the Beis Yosef gets it wrong and how that right, how that affects halacha, right? A whole separate share about. Um, I also think yeah. that Yosef is very influenced a lot of times by important Rishonim who aren't on his list of three, and I think the Bahag definitely qualifies. The people like the Bahag, the Rashba, other people like that, when they fall out on one side, especially when they all fall out on one side, mm -hmm. he really tends to go that way, even if it's against the. Yeah, I I, mm -hmm. I I tend not to be convinced by the whole Ram Russian Ram Rif and Rush thing. Mm -hmm. That you know, that it's more often that the Beis Yosef understands them in a way which produces the majority that he was that, that, where the majority supports the Psak as opposed to reaches the Psak on the basis of the majority. Hmm. Uh, right? I, I, I think that's one of the Beis Yosef's claim of that is one of. I went through at one point, like I just went through counting, like how many halachos in Shulchan Aruch are actually amachlok, or actually cases in which all three of them have expressed opinions that are clear. Such so, again, the answer was like infinitesimal. Uh, right, they're all they're always subject to interpretation, and you could always right. You can't just make the decision that way. You have to interpret them first, and then which way where the chicken and the egg is becomes very, uh, very different. Okay, but Rav Sacco is going to poskin like right. It's not going to poskin against the basis. Right, that's not his his derech Psak, Right, he has a, a book which I'm supposed to get soon. I think called the show is called Bikvot Hamachaber. It's also online. Right, you know he's he's very much situating himself in that in that masoret. Um, so it's very important to him. That what he's saying is like the Shulchan Aruch, and that that you know, the astonishing movie is going to pull is to claim that a position that the Beis Yosef doesn't even mention is actually his position, and the proof of it is that he doesn't mention it, right? <laughs> because if he mentioned it, then we would know where it fit my argument, right? right? But since he doesn't mention it, it's obviously true. It must be he's hiding something, uh, which is really cool argument, uh, really really cool argument. Um, I don't think he reads the word of Uchid that way, right? That's a very standard way of reading the word of Uchid. <laughs> right, the position around, or right, it's a Straussian way, right? As I first learned in in, uh, in college, right? Strauss argues that the um, in the Kuzari, that obviously the Kuzari is a um, 
is an attack on philosophy because the philosopher never gets to speak. And so that's, that's what the Khazar is really afraid of is the person who doesn't get to speak. Uh, right, so I, I made a lot of fun of that in my paper in, in, uh, in college. Uh, the Karaite gets to speak, even the, Karaite, the philosopher at least gets to be dismissed humorously. The Karaite never even gets to present at the opening fair. So it's really a book against charism. Um, but then I realized it's, it's a general sheet and Strauss, it's a whole separate thing, right? I learned that from Ellen Bloom. Ellen there Bloom. were real Karaites, by the way, tangent, in Russia. Um, until, like a lot of them until, until the Holocaust. And then like they were saved because something to do with the Holocaust. They're are so, they really Jews or are they really not Jews? Yeah, and I think they were saying they said we're not really Jews. Uh, there we, were a lot in uh, Russia. We, yeah. we, like non-Jewish people heard of them over there. Yeah. I don't know that he yeah. thinks. Like, I don't think. He, I don't think he's yeah. saying Family. the Beis Yosef like secretly holds like the Rambam. I think he's saying the Beis Yosef Hoskins like the Roche because of the psychological thing. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Okay. I think he has to say that because he has to think there's a real difference. He knows. So he knows that the Shittas of Russia is not consensus among the Rishonim. Ulam who told the halacha, but he brings it. I think brings it as the halacha here as the case, as opposed to brings it as a halachic position. He brings it as the halacha, which means he, right? Because of the righteousness of the Jews. What does that mean? If the Shulchan didn't quote the Rush, and you have to decide whether it didn't quote the Rush at all, didn't quote the Rush as halacha. Every year we would find people who are genuinely who are genuinely ill, who right, who refuse to allow themselves to eat Yom Kippur. And the fact is, there are there right there's a, there's a classic case of a Rishon who refused to eat Yom Kippur and died. And then there's lots of discussion in the Rishon about whether he did the right thing or the wrong thing. Um, and any rev can tell you that the job of the job of most rabbis in Yom Kippur is not to tell people they is not to tell people they um, they can't eat when they want to. Right, the, the real effort you have to engage in is to tell people they must eat when they don't want to. Um, I think that is true generally, and not just. In, <laughs> <laughs> it was true in Harvard Hill before, right? Right, uh, right. With Rabbi, who was very, very young, uh, right? That there were, you know, that there, there were people you had to talk to. Right, mm -hmm. you know, the, the pre-M Kipper pastoral counseling you had to engage in was to say you must eat. Um, but does this work at all in the Vashon Shofar? I don't know. Doesn't no. need to. It's yeah. not an argument but about the It is an argument because if Yom Shabbat thought this, he would have brought up the possibility that someone who is not sick can eat. He wouldn't have said that we risk everyone's life by trying to feed them shirim first and seeing if they die while we're feeding them shirim, which is what he does. No, that's he, said, not what he, he doesn't says. tell. He says if there's any risk to shirim, then you go straight to the other. He doesn't say they risk people's lives. Sure, but my point is the Shabbat leads to more people eating less. The Shabbat has a, just in general rule. There are categories of people. The Shabbat. All the Shofanach does is carve out a category of people who would otherwise have been eating full meals and say you eat shirim instead. No, he thinks that the carve of people would that. otherwise be starving, and now we're going to... No, no, explicitly. I'm not talking about what, what, what he's trying to do in his, some psychological thing. What the words of Shofanach do is you take a category of people who, without the Shofanach, I would have thought you just give them food, because right. and say, no, we give them less food. Okay. And he's taking that to say, the reason for this is to weaken... His logic requires extrapolating that to say that what he really meant is that there's a category of people who he didn't mention at all, who should now be fed, who otherwise shouldn't have been fed. Who otherwise wouldn't agree to be fed. Sure, who otherwise wouldn't agree to be fed. Right, but they always should have been fed. They always wouldn't agree to be fed. It's very different. It's not what he says. It's not what the Okay, says. true that it was, because if he said it, then it wouldn't work. Why not? Because people wouldn't listen if they thought you were only saying this. Right, if people really thought that the standard for shurim was pikuach nefesh, right, if they didn't have the our intuitive sense that that's absurd, mm -hmm. 
then they would refuse to eat even shurim. So we have to create this notion that where they feel like they're still really Why is the If he thinks the Shachanach Paskin, the standard for Shurim is not Pikuach Nefesh, I think he does think that very quickly. Yeah. Then he Shachanach should have said. Because people won't believe it. It's not Pikuach Nefesh. People won't believe it. That's not a problem. The Shachanach, people always believe that Shachanach says Rehalach. If anything, the problem is the opposite. They don't believe things that aren't Shachanach. But uh, do you really think the Shachanach was worried that people wouldn't believe him when he said What I really think is that, that not an issue here. Do Vipasako really think that? Make extra humrit upon themselves that, like, if it means like not fully trusting that something isn't machmir enough. Like, there's tons of times that we see them talking about like humrit people have assumed upon themselves, even though everyone is saying that like make our adin this is fine. Like, it's totally believable that people could say, okay, I get that you're telling me this is fine, but I don't believe you. Yeah, that's believable. But is there someone who would say that? Let's take someone who's not a mikuach nefesh, but who's in severe enough disease they need to eat on yom kippur shiri, according to our pesach. Right. Such a person would read the Shulchan Aruch and say, and say the standard Shulchan Aruch says Bikuach Nefesh, I'm not Bikuach Nefesh, why mm-hmm. should I eat Shirin? Well, you're thinking of the Shulchan Aruch now, but you think the Shulchan Aruch, when the Shulchan Aruch yeah. is being written, mm-hmm. right, so people don't relate to the Shulchan Aruch that way. Mm-hmm. Well, they, how are they the Shulchan is a new thing, and he's, the Shulchan Aruch is just a rabbi sure. facing this Shaila. And, and says, if you tell them the standard is Bikuach Nefesh, and they will rightfully think, I'm not this case Bikuach Nefesh, why in the world would I eat? So... What you right, I think you like you're trying like what will get them to eat. I th- right, the argument is that what will get them to eat is the belief that they're not really violating Yom Kippur. Yeah, and that would be a great thing if he said you're not really violating Kippur. But he says you are really violating Yom Kippur. And no, say, it's just that, that. That, the point is that Shurim are not really violating it. That's the claim. He doesn't say that. Does, he doesn't say that you need Bikoch Nefesh really. Well, Rabbi Saku denies that. No, the, the Shulchan Aruch doesn't really say really, that. Think so. He says he, he says he doesn't. The doctor specifically doesn't need to tell you that, that, that the patient is going to die, mm-hmm. and he isn't specific about what it means to have assessed the guy to that, that, that he can't eat shirim. That's true. That's right. I think the general. I think the general claim is that people people will damage their health. Let's put that. People will damage their health if right on, on right rather than rather than violate mm-hmm. Yom Kippur. So what you have to tell them is there's a way to do this without violate without violating Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Okay. But is it true? I don't know. I'm reading through the argument right now. Okay, right. So the reason that the Shulchan quotes this position of the Rush is um, that we find every year people don't allow themselves to eat in Kippur and they fast even though it's dangerous because of an internal feeling. That I don't know what Mesugalim means here, right? It's not fitting for them. It's not their destiny. Uh, they don't really have the, they don't have the right to um, eat on this holy day, mm-hmm. uh, and therefore they endanger themselves. Mm-hmm. So, right? So, for the the Russians' words save these people. They can avoid the danger and still the right. As far as they're concerned, their eating is not a desecration of the day. Because they're still fasting, right? That's right. I think that yeah, the outcome is people, if you, you have to still be able to, you have to ask people to say, are you fasting? And their answer will be, yes, I'm just eating shurim. As long as they can, as long as they can say, yes, I'm just eating shurim, they're fine. We can have a separate conversation about whether it's useful or negative to tell people, which I think is the obvious halakha, a lot of people disagree that shurim don't, don't apply to Teshuvah um, because the, it's only in Kippur halakha, not it. And not a tishu, not that's a what a rabbi told me. Yeah, I think that's the right that's the right sock, but it's one of those things that it's not clear to me it's a good idea to tell people, right? Because then people maybe mm. maybe people take too many chances. Yom Kippur, they're all you know, like 
Uh, uh, just yes. oh, I personally sauce. found it more helpful to, to talk about what kind of food you should eat on Tisha B'Av. And if you want to eat on Tisha B'Av, you could eat things like, you know, egg and bread and like Sudam Afsaka type food to show that you're still in mourning, which is just as our officials eating shirin, but more likely to get you to eat more. Okay, so that's and interesting. Like more likely to help them feel more meaningful, I think. That's an interesting pastoral strategy. And I think right. that's, yeah. you know, the kind of thing that, you know, in a, we should, you know, we, if we were having a practical rabbinics program, we should right, try and find ways to empirically test it. Maybe different for different people, maybe different men and women. Yeah, I think it goes both ways, like with the thing that the rabbi told me, because sometimes that made me think that like, okay, now I really have to, like on other fasts, I'm like, maybe I'm not like sick enough to do this. So maybe I should just totally fast, because even if I eat a little, like it won't. The same the other way, or other times, it could, yeah. I think the reason people find it helpful is because that's what you tell children anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't feed children candy on fast. Okay. Uh, yep. Right. It's a pastoral question. It's not a question. Pastorally, right? You're not you're not as worried about somebody on Tisha B'Av is going to be like lying in bed and then faint and not have their phone with them and not be able to like. Because frankly, it's from Allah makes it right. That's yeah. right. Those are all we you know. I think you know part of the rabbinic responsibility is people you know take things like that. Is you know I would send people to right say like you know a if you feel this way you have to eat. But B, you're not allowed to be by right that you know I can't for, you're not gonna I know you're not gonna eat if I tell you you have to eat in advance you're not gonna eat until you feel mm-hmm. sick, but the risk is you're gonna get dehydrated and fall so yeah. right so I would have someone else go stay with that person mm-hmm. right you're not allowed to be alone. I feel like we're conflating functional philosophical and psychological, and um, yeah. and I think that we're tangling them pretty badly at this point. Mm. Um, functionally, it should be very easy to figure out the answer. If our definition is, you know, literal pukuach nefesh, then just track the um, number of deaths over the last 50 years in, you know, outside of the Jewish community, but in America, you know, in their similar socioeconomic bracket, track the ones in the Jewish community since, you know, we started, you know, worrying about this and see if it works. You know, you should be able to make the Well, yeah, the only example where we tried that is, is, uh, is for pregnant women specifically. And the data is, you know, there's a huge fight. Rav Nachman Rabinovich was convinced by the one study they did, showing that uh, that there was, you know, there were more births in the in the Jewish wing of uh, of, of uh, Hadassah Hospital, I think it was, than in the in the Arab wing. Um, immediately after, immediately after Yom Kippur, and and that took, and that they took that as evidence that actually fasting brings on brings on brings on labor, and that therefore fasting that all pregnant women could eat. Could uh, could eat on your kipper and should eat on your kipper and like premature well, labor or what? No, well, there's no evidence. There's there's okay. no evidence. I just point out people tried it. That's not. It did not stop the. There's no evidence. There's no evidence for anything before the third trimester, and once you're in the third trimester, I, your baby I, has an almost. I, I am well aware. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those who don't who don't pass in that way. But so Rambam was a statistician. I was not. So um, what do you want to say, Maria? But just so that would not. That would not solve the question of whether there are more maternal deaths, though. That has nothing to do with it. That's correct. But I'm saying that people tried to get stats, statistics on it. It's the one that you actually you might have thought you could have really good statistics. I keep saying that. Like, why? We, I don't should, think even we should know, right? We should know whether there are okay. whether there are more premature, really more premature births, right? And whether we should track babies born between 10 and 15 tissue, whatever it is, right? And see if their life expectancy is different, things like that. And yet no one seems to have... No one seems to have a data set that is that is useful and relevant. I think I think even the Ramadan to work on. Wait, the Ramadan studies haven't found any association with like maternal. We have a control group. Terrible. Wait, the study doesn't make sense. I don't think. Why we have a control? Like the Arabs are like a three-world country. If they're from the if they're from the Shtachim, 
Same hospital. Yeah, but their their life expectancy and, and things and they're they are much worse than. All right, so people say they're confounding factors, right? That's yeah, a, that's not really. The that's best a whole study, uh, yeah. right. On the other hand, there are many many to studies compared to American people or to European well, people. Well, so not to Arab. Now you're being arbitrary, right? So that's right. That's well, a whole, it's known, like in the in the in the Yehuda uh, and Samaria, so the Arabs no, have a terrible situation. We're talking about Israel. Oh, they're they're actually Israeli right. citizens. Israeli citizens. Yeah. Oh, Israeli citizens. In the same hospital ward. Okay, fine, but they're also economically probably. That's right. So that's why people say confounding factors and there are many many more studies about ramadan than there are about do his really doctors get paid more if they deliver babies in yom kippur i don't know i can't there was I, rubbing. I, Sorry, there's doctors I can't hear what i was saying is that if you're talking about things like the haredi haredi in general have a lower socioeconomic status within 48 borders than mm. most palestinians so that can't really be used as like a right, so we can talk about that right but oh, i think okay. factors are very very right it's not so easy to get stats that's yeah. right good stats are good stats are a very hard thing very hard thing to come by mm -hmm. um very very okay let's let's bracket that for now i don't think it, let's bracket that for now so Rabataka says okay he says that there will be there will be people who endanger themselves the rush saves these people because he lets them say he lets them avoid the danger without being mevatel et hatzom. They still feel they're fasting. Yehuda thinks there's better ways to do that pastorally than the way the Shulchan Aruch did it. If we could find a position, but those are... No, I wasn't talking about Tishba. I was just talking about... Okay. Sure, okay. Yeah, I was talking about, you were just talking about Tishba. Fine, yeah. right. Ach, mikivan shachidatani hishurim harei shei mekaimim tzivui v'nitem anashotechem kechol yechotam. Right, so there's a... So the thing that he, he rests himself on is that people understand that Yom Kippur is not about fasting. He'll understand mm -hmm. that Yom Kippur is about Inuit. So, right, as opposed to I, fasting, which is a binary, right, I either mm -hmm. fasted or I didn't. The question is, were you ma'ana yourself on Yom Kippurim, right? Were you mevatel at that song, as opposed, right? And the answer is, right, people say, look, I was ma'ana, my nefesh, to the extent possible. But aren't right? they still doing all the other stuff? Yeah, okay. Interesting psychological claim, whether this is really how people function or not. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, real challenges as to what, what, uh, you know, how you how you frame the psak and, and uh, what works and what doesn't work. Um, also, what's your audience? Like for a really brisker audience, you give a whole share on Chazi share and how it's an Isser Klali, and yes, it's an Isser Derecha Klali, but of course you're still keeping Inu and Yom Kippur, just violating Isser Klali and Chazi share. Really, this is true. If you're in Gushat really, Zion giving that, giving that share, that would work great. perfectly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I violated a different Isser Derecha, but that, which had nothing whatsoever to do with Yom Kippur, it's right. just Isser or Chazi share. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's entirely right. That what, we're, what works pastorally is that it may be that pastoral things rotate, you know, mm -hmm. that after a while, certain things wear off. Uh, right. And again, as a children rabbi, you know, like for me, like one of the crises of conscience always was the announcement the rabbi always had to make that if you're not Yotze the Mitzvah, if you talk between the bracha and the end of shofar blowing, mm -hmm. uh, which is just not true. The Gemara says explicitly, you hear nine, you hear nine shofar, your shofar blasts over nine hours, right? Right. You're, you're Yotze and like with the real world going on around mm -hmm. you. But if you don't make that announcement, Right, let alone if you make the announcement, it's perfectly fine to talk, right? Right, as long as right, oh, you know, fair. and certainly after you've heard the first, right, the first 30 colos, right, then you'll say the mitzvah deraisa, nobody thinks it's a bracha of atal or you know the mitzvah, right? That's not a good announcement to make. On the other hand, it's really hard to let people keep going on believing something that isn't true. And so, the solution was that somebody else made the announcement. <laughs> 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 I didn't, but I didn't. Well, I avoided that question for many years. Uh, right. He also does ignore the like, like pastorally in this, in this paragraph, the fact that like most people can't actually eat shiurim, 
right? So now what you're doing is you're saying, well, those other people, they get to. At least you I know? tried. At least I tried that way. I think it, I think it matters. I could Are there lots of people who can't try? Like a lot of people? Okay. I don't know. You know, I think, you know, I, you know, I, I don't think I have, I have the relationship yet where I can ask him to, uh, to teach us here, uh, here, although it would, it would be fun. Um, but maybe next year I'll be, you know, I'll be after, I will, we'll have the strength of the relationship to the point where I could have it. Cause he has really interesting, you know, like his, his pastoral awareness for his community is fascinating. Uh, and I, and I really need to learn more of it and it's not my community. So that's right. So I learned, you know, really cool things. At least I hypothesize really cool things about it. Yeah. Okay. Who yes. Wait, who hmm? David Bitsako. Uh, you can look it up on Wikipedia. He's the author okay. of this article. Um, Okay. Um, now we have to quote the position of the Rush and the Shulchan Aruch who at least cited. So now we've quoted the vision, what sense does it make? So A, really we shouldn't have passed him that way, but now that we pass him that way, why does it make any sense? So he says, the answer to that is uh, buried in the, in the, the levels there are mitzvah satura. Elosase is greater than anase. Within elosase, right, there, there, there are degrees which are measured by the degree of punishment, right? So, right, so, right, so, a full shear is kares, idiyan kipper shear is isrikal yoter. Okay, all right, and the rabbinic balayatos don't, right, call it an isur be'alma, and isur be'alma is even more lenient than a mitzvah to say. Okay, so now we have a new hierarchy. They say, right, there's a, right, there's a lota say that has, um, there's a lota say that has, um, that has kares, there's, and then there are says, and then there are lota says that don't have kares, which Postus just calls a, um, an Isurba Alma. Right, an Isurba Alma, an Isurba Alma, does not require does not have the same degree of uh, seriousness. Okay, um, right, and therefore he says around the end of the day, right. So we have to pull it. Sorry, to pull this off. Um, right. So therefore, the yitachin shul fiza any tam lasbir din tamu on iskar b'sefer achinochs. V'hu shekol chola yachol lachol biyamiki purim tafus mikashir afilu chola she'ain bo sakana. This is not how you would summarize the chinuch. This is not how you would summarize. How would you have summarized the chinuch? that there's a category of person who is allowed to eat on Yom Kippur despite not being in genuine fear of death. What? Is, that's more or less a word for word translation. I can read okay. it. Okay, read it to us by all means. Uh, so Seva Chinach says, Ulefichach, Mishu Chole, Afal Pish Ein Vosakana Gemura, Im Hayim Hiya Chalush Harbe, Rauli Lachila Lashkotel Ma'atma'a Kishir Shamanim, Nodinua Penachil Vashir, and etc. He's got a face there. Right, so he says, "Apple peach, ain't it?" What was the language? Sakana Sakana? Even and Sakana. he's very weak. Yeah, right, he's not in Sakana. So, right, Sakana Gemura is like, so what is the word Gemura? Right, genuine fear of death. That, that's how I translate. Where it. the word fear come from? Genuine danger of death. Genuine Gemura means genuine. Sure. What would the antithesis of Gemura be? Um, is it fake? Right, is that, is that the antithesis word? Right, counterfeit. No. Right. So tell me what the opposite of Gemur is, and I can figure out what Gemur means. Gemur is like full, total. Absolute. Right. So now what's. So it's not absolute. Yeah, then that would just be a suffix, right? Yes, Lexi. I feel like there's, there's like, there's like, 
Yeah, I mean, it basically is Safek and Vadai. Is why I think Gamora is basically just being used as Vadai. But right. obviously, Safek before Nefesh, you can eat. Right, for Safek before Nefesh, you can eat real shroom. So why can you only be? So so like, what is it's the only? It's Safek whether it's Safek. Well, it's a Safek whether it's a Safek. I think that's probably but right. But he also describes it positively. Mm-hmm. He says, "Im hiya chalush harbe v'aril hachilam." Im hiya chalush harbe. Yes, that's the that's the that the if so, if you're in a Safek Safek and you're, you're not weak. a kind of Gamora and you're chalush harbe, they might mean the same thing. Maybe the same thing. You're so weak that if you were not weak, we would we we wouldn't treat this as right. The way I would probably write is you're you're combining factors, and you say like you're in a condition where the object right. You're, if you want to say what the the disease you have, right, is not one that we would ordinarily treat as pikulaf nefesh, but it's one that we would treat as the kind of thing that is on the border of pikulaf nefesh, and you are so weak in other ways. That the combination of factors makes it become nefesh, right? That would be the, the, the right, probably the simplest way of interpreting it. It's not a sakana gemura because the condition by itself, right? Right. So that's where your distinction between a disease model and a patient model, sure. right? I think would make would, would be very useful. Sure. Um, he does not read it that way. <laughs> he reads it as right. Yes, where sakana gemura. He's not actually mm-hmm. endangered. He's in a situation that you can understand why people would react to it as dangerous even though it isn't. But like Maybe he doesn't I, say that. He seems to read this as every hola, right? right? Yeah. How do you read that as every hola? Uh yeah, that's a bit that, that, that is hard. Yeah. Like I would read that as maybe a young healthy person with the flu. It's very bad. He's very sick. No young young and healthy really dies in the flu if they have no other complicating factors. And but yeah, I would consider that maybe he would say you feature into someone who is young and healthy with the flu and you give it. Right. Now, for his argument, though, he doesn't need to read it that radically. All he needs to say is the Chinuch allows some, and I think that's really what he means, so I should say, the Chinuch allows some people to eat shiurim in a condition that would not ordinarily count as Pekoch Nefesh. How can that be? Isn't Pekoch Nefesh a binary and he's turned to rice only mutter for Pekoch Nefesh? And I think that is a plausible read of the Chinuch, right? So there are people who, right, the, the standard for Eating onion kipper full shurim is sakana gemura, mm-hmm. right? The chinuch is saying, I think that right, a good, is a good reading. The chinuch is there are people whom we wouldn't allow to eat full shurim who we allow to eat partial shurim. Mm-hmm. Why should that be? It's the same standard, right? If you just frame his argument that way, sure, and I think that, that and I think I that's think enough. Thought it was okay, right? But that that, that itself is powerful, right? Sure. Okay, right. So the chinuch, right? So we have is now we have a position of the rush that. Um, that thinks that that requires you to eat shurim, and then we have a um, and then we have a counter uh, a position of the chinuch that says that not only do you have to eat shurim, but there are people who can eat shurim but can't. It's not just on a way station. There are people who can eat shurim even though we know there's no pikuach nefesh in a right in, in a general standard. So we look, so what's the solution? So the solution is he says, look, there are shurim that an israelot say requires you to spend all your money. An say only requires you to spend a fifth of your money. Um, okay, so the right, so the result is going to be there. Right, if you say the chasi shear is less than an say, that means you don't have to spend a fifth of your money. And if you don't have to spend a fifth of your money, then obviously you don't have to spend your health because your health is more important than a fifth of your money. People would spend more than a fifth of their money to spend their health. Right, so therefore now we have we have derived that chasi um, shear is less serious than an say. And it is less serious than an essay, so then, right, so then you can violate it. The standards for violating are not the standards of violating a kipper. Okay, this is a pretty, uh, this is a pretty wild kush. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually gets a lot wilder. 
Wait, what, I, I don't know if I totally got like what the chiddush is. The chiddush is that chazi is even though it's a prohibition and it's a derisive prohibition, but it's a it's, it's a it's a prohibition that is treated less seriously than an assay. And just as you don't, you're right, nobody would say you have to do an assay in order to, even if that damages your health, right? Um, right. We talk about it, if you're going to be really ill from matzah and fessa, right? It, it, uh, right. So we say that if you're really ill, don't do it. I mean, I think it also makes, like, it is, like, obviously a chiddish in the sense of just how we generally conceive of, like, lotesses and asses that I think just, like, mm -hmm. psychologically we interact with those differently. And so the mm -hmm. idea that, like, any lotesse could be, like, less problematic to do something that we're not supposed to, I feel like it's weird to people. But on the other hand, like, chadishior, like, asar del raita is a machloket. Right, like it makes total sense that something that it's a machloka in the Gemara, whether it's even Dolraita, would have a lesser Dolraita status, even if we hold that, than like uh, Mitzvah Aset, that's obviously Dolraita. Well, it's an interesting claim because if it's a machloka that's unresolved, that would be true, but right, because then we would treat it as a suffix. But he doesn't think it's an unresolved machloka, so he thinks we absolutely Paskin is Dolraita. So the fact that there's a machloka about it, it might make an intuitive, an intuitive claim. But I don't know that it make that, that formally it has any role at all. Um, but does he really think that any Isra Alma I can just like violate willy nilly as if I think it'll help my health? So well, the question is what makes something an Isra Alma? How do you distinguish an Isra? Not every love is an Isra Alma. Most loves are more serious than essays. Onesh potentially, like part of what Khatsi okay, Shia. So I can just Isra, but you're not going to get punishment. Right, so potentially something that doesn't have onesh associated with it would be an really bad for my health not to tell Ash and Hara, so you know, um, probably make me feel slightly worse. Any love, any love, any love that that um, that the, any love you don't get Malchus for, so a love any that class say a love a love a love should be a love right? All sorts of things you don't get punishments for. It's very interesting. So what is so? Let's say yeah. that I think that holding your anger is very bad for you. So I want to go cursing and hitting people, cursing people, not hitting people. Yeah. We'll, let's assume we'll say it's a lot of shame for Malcolm. Um, I know it's a Malcolm, but we'll assume we pass the design of a lot of shame for Malcolm. We say, yes, it's a matter of holding it is bad. You can go around cursing people who, who bother you. Yeah. I don't think even if Musaka would agree with that. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. I, right, I don't. I don't think he thinks this generically. So, Does he think I can keep around my uh, my toy bagel that like makes yes. me feel less anxious and uh, keeps my mental health like really good? Your toy bagel. Okay, another <laughs> area that's, that's <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. another area um, that we should. You know, use. this is just yeah. my pet bagel. His name is George. And he has on it. Emotional support bagel. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Frida. Oh, I just want to say another area that's definitely developed in recent years is psychology and like it's like a whole nother psychology and mental health that's not really like I mean not to say that like there's not so much psychological insight in the Torah and the Talmud which there is I think but like that's just like another thing to keep in mind like in the in the time of the Talmud like they might just not have known potentially not have known certain things about mental health like that we know today so now it's like a whole new consideration because like problems in mental health could lead to suicide the suicide rate has gone up in recent years and among okay so maybe we take mental health worse right the other well, let's, let's, yeah, let's, say, let's say that i'm a model right so the health of my skin has like actual concrete literal value in the real world mm -hmm. right and my my favorite skin cream has edible flemates in it right <laughs> <laughs> we don't tell you wouldn't tell you that you can you know keep keep that keep that cream around on pace off 
stuff because it's really hard to get more of it like you know next week i, I don't think like, he believes it all allows it all okay so did, did he not did he not talk in this in this article about um no nope, nobody's so. okay did anybody look at the toasters and shvua stuff with kimmel a bit okay um so then this is uh probably a well we're going to suspend this conversation now. We're going to talk a little bit about, about um, Benny Brown's article, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, what I want everyone to do for tomorrow is to look up the Tosis and Shua stuff for a few more bit. And I, I will now, because because we, we have to be more efficient, I'm going to tell you what I think it means. I think he understands the Tosis and Shua stuff for a few more bit. And I think he is primarily correct as believing that even though you're a Mushba of Omid, Omid Mehar Sinai under Abanans, you aren't on Chatsi Shir. Mm -hmm. And so that actually the, right, what makes this call is that it's a it's a law that is not included in the Shua at Sinai. And then you have to figure out how does he know which laws are included in, 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 in Sinai or not. But I think that that's what the, the that's what the argument that's what the argument that Tosfos is that what makes it lighter is that right is that it's not part of the Shua at Sinai. And so what I was hoping to get out of this was the the question of how the how the category Mushra of Omin Sinai relates to our understanding of law. And that relates to like a, you know a whole broad question as to what the authority of law is. Uh, I argue that we don't that we dafka don't make converts take a shvua. I just read somebody was arguing fakert, um, but I yeah I think that the we don't make converts take a shvua because they're absorbed into the Jewish people who took this collective thing. And so really all of Torah is still grounded in the notion of a voluntary commitment by the Jews. And so what would it mean for there to be things? That are us or Dioraisa and yet are not included in the Shua at Sinai. Right. So I want to take a look. So we'll take a look at that toast foot as a uh, as a and you'll, you'll tell me if you think I'm right. Okay, so we'll break that and let's take uh, let's take a few minutes to talk about um, Professor Brown's article. Um, as Brown argues, as you saw, that um, that left that the Khabitskayim transforms. The, uh, transforms the, the nature of Pilpas Lashon Hara from Musar to from Musar to Halacha. Um, but he also very uh, he also is very careful to say that you shouldn't equate Musar with ethics. And the reason he says you shouldn't equate, equate Musar with ethics are number them. One is that there's a uh, a general a general claim which um, I know uh, from Professor Noam Zohar's introduction to Jewish bioethics, but it, not right, that parochial ethics are impossible. And so therefore, right, if you, anything, you, anything you claim applies specifically to Jews can't be about ethics. Uh, secondly, there's an understanding of ethics as being about, as being, being about necessarily being about virtue, uh, meaning it's about the impact on you. And even though we saw that uh, that dafka is what Rav Asher Weiss understood Elfus Lashonara to be about, but Professor Brown is, right, wants to be very careful about not committing himself to, Professor, to Rabbi Weiss's understanding of Lashonara, they say it's about Musr. Musr you know, can be behavioral uh, in the same way that halacha is behavioral, but um, it, it can be behavioral just as halacha is behavioral, but not in the same way as halacha is behavioral. In order to get that done, he introduces um, various, con various concepts from Professor Lon Fuller about the nature of the nature of law and the nature of, of ethics. Right? So when he's interested between he distinguishes between laws and principles, right? And that is something, right? Whether and right, that's a the law. Now you can correct me if my formulation is wrong. Law binds you to specific outcomes, 
principles, but right, principles binds you to specific forms of reasoning. Now, it is true that specific forms of reason that you can argue that there's a prima facie case that if you're using this kind of reasoning, you could not have gotten to that result. Right, so principle based reasoning will still make certain things out of bounds. But the goal of the principle is to compel you to engage in this form of reasoning, whereas the goal of the law is to tell you what it is you are not allowed to do. So he argues that he'll, that Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara prior to the Chavis Chaim was an attempt to force you to engage in a certain kind, right, in a certain kind of reasoning, right, in a certain kind of reasoning, you know, do a, does this fulfill whatever, right, the, uh, does it meet the principle I shouldn't talk negatively about people, as opposed to engaging in the concrete calculations. Chavis Chaim changes it. Um, he has his story that he believes he understands that way, right, which, which is uh, what he thinks is a fundamental a fundamental illustration of that, which is when you're constructed, when you're confronted with a case that looks like a technicality, right? So is your response to say, okay, that's a technicality, re resolve it however you will, right? I gave you the principles, or is your response to say, oh, I better, I better tell you exactly what to do in that case because it doesn't follow, right? When you have a case that doesn't follow obviously from the principle, is your reaction to say, well then, okay, we can't resolve that, or is your reaction to say, well, I better resolve that, okay? So that's a fundamental difference. That he thinks that he thinks that the um, the Chavis Chaim introduces, and then you have, right, and he says there's a difference between Musar and Halacha, but the question, right, as he points out, you know, the, part of what the Chavis Chaim does is point out how um, how um, mutable and um, the categories are because you write Musar as legal as legal statements, and then you just make a decision, right? Right, it's your decision as a reader. Do I say I'm a posik? Here's my principle. I'm going to pasuk in it, or do you say no? I'm not. This is not something that's appropriate for psak. Mm -hmm. But you can't tell just right. You can't tell, especially after the Chavis Chaim. How can you know which books are Musr, right, and which books are halacha? It might very well be the Musr movement mm -hmm. took books that were halacha and turned them into Musr. Right. That's why I can say the Rabbi Yona was really a halacha book, but then the Musr movement mm -hmm. came along and right and said, "Oh look, Musr." And the Chavis Chaim came along and said, although really, right, maybe the Chavis Chaim is, is, is Machazira Tzara Yoshna. Right, so for, right, so for us, right, we have, we get to decide which one we are, and you have to decide what your methodology is. Second thing, which I think is, um, is in many ways cooler and, um, and more important, is the distinction between uh, what, do you, what does it call it? An ethic of law and an ethic of aspiration? Is that the category? Morality of duty and morality. Morality of duty and morality of aspiration. Right. So this is a really, this to me is, is a, an extraordinarily powerful idea, um, which I think I first got from this article. Uh, as I understand it, right, what he says, and mm -hmm. you could, we can argue this again tomorrow. Um, as I understand it, what he says is there are, certain times when a society sets up an, um, a moral expectation that it does not expect and would not want anyone to meet. Mm -hmm. All right, you're right there. There are conditions you are supposed to want to try for, but you're never actually supposed to achieve. So like, right, and so the example of the case of Lashon Hara is a perfect Lashon Hara society would be one in which no one knew anything about anybody else. Mm -hmm. Right? It could all be, would all be, right? It would all be private, totally private, and you would never, right? You can't understand people in depth. So you don't know their weaknesses. You can't run a society in which everyone covers up everyone else's, right? everyone else, everyone else's weaknesses. Knowing human beings means to know, right? To know their weaknesses. Wait, why? Why is that a problem? Like, why would it be problematic to like have a society with no? 
Good. Not knowing so much about other people. I mean, not you know, not knowing so anything. What do you mean that? How is that? Because you right, if you really, if you if everybody lived up to a model where you never said anything negative about anybody. I mean, if someone says something negative about themselves, wouldn't that? No, that's us. Because Chaim says that Lashnar about yourself is us. Wait, what's wrong with Lashnar about yourself is us? We saw that. You could see something like writing a resume would that be considered Lashnar? Yes. Because you're saying you're not saying something negative. You're saying it might be because it because no. But if you say something negative about something positive about something, somebody who doesn't like you, then right. So it's either. Which means that most people you send your resume to will say something negative about you. Okay, Alexi, what do you want to say? Sure, you're saying that like I mean, a like we were saying like Russian Hara. Even it's not just like me saying a negative thing about a person when it comes to just like sharing information about other people. Like it's part of how we like form and bind community, right? Like it's yeah, you don't. Right. I don't think I think. Okay, you don't like it, right? So I don't. I don't think we should. I mean, I I do it myself. Like talk about other people like mm-hmm. positively, but I don't think we should do it honestly. And okay. I think Chavis Chaim so, says that. So yeah. good. That's right. Chavis Why? Chaim. Why does that have to be our topic okay. of conversation? Like, so this is an interesting thing. We could just talk about. There's you know, so many things to talk. The about. The story that goes both ways, right? About the Chavis Chaim, you know, sitting next to a farmer on a long train ride. Yeah. And the and you know and the farmer spends not spends the entire time talking about his recipe for manure, <laughs> and uh, and um, you know three hours later the you know the the Chaim gets off of the town, everybody greets him, and the farmer says to him, you know, right, I feel so terrible, right, you know, here you are, the Chavitz Chaim, and I spent three hours talking to you about manure. And the Chavitz Chaim says, you understand, this is the first time I've been able to talk to somebody at length. (laughs) 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 That's a very powerful story. No, actually, my I think my great great grandparents like my grandmother told me that like her mom would never talk about people like ever. Right, it's an interesting thing. So uh, I have you know my mother Allah Shalom loved teaching the law that you can't say positive things because it gets to be She used to teach it in community colleges, and it's like one of her, one of her most successful as part of a literature course. And it was really powerful. On the other end, she was she thought that I was antisocial because there were certain conversations I wouldn't engage in that were uh, that's their problem i mean they think that but that's just because our society has like a Muslim okay culture maybe they're right as, you know, lexi's, lexi's probably putting it that's like everyone aspirationally like like follows the chavetz chaim right I don't, I don't have any way to pick up somebody from the airport because like you can't tell me that they're tall because i might hate tall people and you can't tell me that they have brown hair because i might hate brown haired people you can't tell me that they have like like anything right? I mean, there's I'll, so many I'll, things to talk about though like why do we have to also, I mean, the, the whole point of the article is that Chavis Chaim changed it from a duty of aspiration to a, a aspiration to a duty. Right. I suppose like the aspiration might not have been that before the Chavis Chaim came along. Well, so here's well, what I think the point of that right, is that right, I think the really powerful idea is that we understand that there are things we should aspire to, but should not want to achieve. Should not want to achieve? Should not want to achieve. I'm not sure mm-hmm. he says that. Okay, so that's what, so that's what that. I put out, right? Okay, my so my understanding of it, which you can buy or not, is that there are things that there are things that um, are the default of society is right. The default of human beings is to do them a lot. The good thing is to do them somewhat. The only way to get you from a lot to somewhat is to say that the goal is zero. Mm-hmm. But as a person organizing a society, if you got to zero, that would be horrible. Is that like last year when we decided that Jean de Mohusadina is also kind of aspirational? Uh, we talked about that, right? We talked, right? We talked mm-hmm. about that, right? The uh, where you don't really want to create, you know, automat- automatons who, uh, who obey the law no matter what. Yeah. 
Um, isn't, isn't the big point of, the, of this article that he thinks that the like distinction between morality of duty and morality of aspiration is not necessarily super clear cut and that actually morality of aspiration does require you to take concrete actions, like probably? It does. Or at least have an intention. Yeah, I think it, of course, he, he's the whole idea. It's totally is, a duty. That's why he, he, does, he doesn't like the distinction because he thinks that the, the, that, that the aspiration is still a duty often. Um, he has three different categories. I don't think that's is a duty to aspire towards that goal yes right so i think i think that there are i i think right and, you know i think this is a model to some extent of you know on again my talking, aspiration does not obligate a person to achieve the goal fully but it does obligate him to aspire toward it right, right. that's exactly the opposite of what you're saying no 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 you're supposed to aspire to how are you supposed to aspire towards something you don't want ah. well, like you're to say to work towards a society that would have no less knowing that we will never achieve that and that like probably it's actually better if we don't achieve that but that also doesn't absolve any individual from the responsibility to work towards minimizing Lashonhara and if everybody believes that then we end up in a society that has minimal Lashonhara. That's correct. I think you know so you, if you want an analogy which will either send you might send you running in the opposite direction but it's worth thinking about because the other issue is the Stephen Schwartzschild's uh, we claim that one, that one is intended to infinitely believe that the Messiah is coming is imminent. Um, right, that, right, so that there are people, you know, you could say it's pure adoption, all sorts of very interesting claims, but that was his notion, right, that the, right, the messianic age is supposed to be, is supposed to be an infinitely visible receding horizon. Um, and not, right, so, Right, and then the people say, but you don't really believe in Gula then if you think it's intently receding, right? So that's the question, right? Are you, are you right? Is that, is that true or not? So that's what Sparmala is asking here, right? It, it's not really an aspiration if you don't want to achieve it, right? You know, you don't want to be the dog who, right, who understands he's not supposed to catch the car, right? That's because uh, you couldn't do anything with it, right? That's right. That's the, um, right? The fun is chasing the car, right? You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to catch the car. Um, and yes, I, I I like I want to argue, and then, and then you know we'll end here and we'll and we'll we can take it up to um late, uh, tomorrow seder uh, tomorrow morning seder, uh, maybe we'll have time um, tonight during during night seder if I'm around, and you're certainly welcome to talk about yourselves. I want to claim that this is a really, and I think that's what Fuller means, even if Benjamin Brown doesn't mean that. So you can go look at Fuller's original mm -hmm. piece and see if that's true. That there are things that um, that. It's a good thing for everyone to be trying to do it to the extent possible. That doesn't mean you have to believe it would be better if you succeeded. Okay, add a different interpretation. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I want to finish. Okay. Right. Different what you said before. Yeah, okay. right. I think well, yeah, and you can see that you know it means, for example, it removes the temptation to try to enforce mm -hmm. it. Right. If you understand that you're not supposed to, you, many of these things can be achieved by force, and mm -hmm. if you think they're goods. Right, intrinsic goods that you right, then you would be tempted. But if you understand that, no, that's not what you want. What you want is you want people to try. So I'll give you another mashal, which may be equally controversial, right? Which, but uh, which I think is really valuable is to think about whether human beings are uh, really supposed to divide their world perfectly into people they react to sexually and people they don't. And then the among the people they react to sexually, they're the people that are supposed to react to sexually in the moment, and that and they're not supposed to react to those people sexually at all any other time, right? So that's a perfectly reasonable understanding of where halacha goes, that you're supposed to be thinking about Torah all the time, except in particular erotic contexts, in which case you're supposed to, right, you're right about with particular people, in which case you're supposed to react to that. And that is, I think that is a, a plausible reading of the aspiration of, of, right, of halacha for men at least, right? That you think about Torah, um, right? And you're only supposed to think about Torah and you're not supposed to, and then you have Zoros that intervene, except, Right with your wife, 
and with your wife only, right? So that's one way. Now the question is, would that really be a healthy relationship? Now, would that really be a healthy relationship in which your relationship to your spouse, you can turn on and off that way? Absolutely. And is it really a normal way of relating to the world? We only relate to one person that way or not. So I wanted to argue, I thought that was very powerful, that actually that a better way of understanding what halacha wants is to understand that as a morality of aspiration. Mm-hmm. Right? That the goal is, right, people should, people naturally, men at least naturally, tend to think about uh, erotic matters more than they ought. And so you set as a society a goal of minimizing that, but it doesn't mean you want to get to zero mm-hmm. because you can't. And if you did, you would have to turn off, right? You'd have to be unable to relate to people whom you have natural erotic reactions to at all. I mean, it's also like they have the, the Gemara and Yoma. Remember where about they like tried to get rid of the- um, yes, sure. Yes. Yeah. Right. Rid of it, and then suddenly no babies are being born because- That's right. But that can be read very narrowly, right? It's, you know, that it, you can't get rid of procreation, right? But you could take the Mashal, right? And say that, no, right? Actually, actually that's um, part of being human. So that, that's a much more controversial way of reading it. Um, but I think might be powerful uh, might be powerful if you think about it um, as ways of dealing with certain things. We can, oh, I can also give out Rabbi article. Fair reading of it, right? Like, I mean, it's literally talking about babies, but I think more realistically, it's like actually the world depends upon this being somewhat existent. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And I, and I can send you my, my, it's one of my favorite, my favorite uh, shirim is on that Agalita, uh, mm-hmm. where, I, where, I read it, where I read it to some extent. I read it generally that way, and then I, I don't know. Right? It's a magnificent Agalita. Like, there's a guy that's the only one of your sharing by Pete in your name. Wow. Okay. The reason we don't relate to Pobanet now. Yeah. This is right. This is this is the share about why we write. Yes, I think it's the only one of ever. Why we don't probably in your name just straight out without. That's cool. Well, I didn't know I had gotten to that metric. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure that was up or down, though. <laughs> like, no, it's not supposed to be sure you repeat just to not get right because someone else, someone, else might have, someone else might have heard it. Right? <laughs> 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 so I'm telling you, right, you have to say that the uh, the Shita Siyaki in the beginning of, in the beginning of, uh, of videos, right? Sometimes you sometimes you repeat the Shita Siyaki so people will think about it. Sometimes no one should ever think that. <laughs> no, that's, a, that, that's what a platform is crazy. She <laughs> Okay. Can I say my argument now? Can you say your argument now? Uh, um, yeah, okay. You can okay, yeah. Time. I'll say, okay, the way I understood this um, essay is that it's not that we should, if we get reach that thing that we're trying, like if we reach our aspirational goal, then that would be a bad thing, but rather we can't reach that aspirational goal. Like maybe we want to, but we can't because we're people and we're human and like, it's just impossible. Like it might, it might be impossible for most people. Maybe there are some individuals that can. So therefore we are always aspiring to something more than we can ever achieve. Um, not because it wouldn't be good if we could do that, but because we can't. Okay. So that's, that's my reading. Okay. One could read it that way. I'm not. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's a good point to start because that's what I really want you to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have two things to do: Tosfa Shuas Tafkim Abet, and see if I'm right that he's making the claim that not only is it is an, is an Israel Ba'alma less chamur than an Israel Deraisa, it's not Mushba Ba'alma than Israel Rabbanan, 
is even it's not mushra velmed mesina even though the rabbans are. And is that Tosfot within Rabbi Yochanan or within Reish Lakish? I think it wasn't super clear when I skimmed it. I want to claim that it's that Tosfot is specifically explaining Rabbi Yochanan's position, okay. and therefore it can because the Gemara in Yoma right. I think is inescapable that according to Reish Lakish it is mushra velmed mesina. That's the whole Gemara so is about if you hold this rabbanon then Chazi Shira is still mushra velmed mesina. And yet Tosfot I think claims that according to Rabbi Yochanan it's not, and I think that Rabbi Sakos thing is built off that claim. Well, look, there's a Tosfot that says. That even though the Rabbanans and Mushba Bodhi Mehrasina, Chatsi Shir is not according to Rabbi Yochanan who says it's Deraisa. And then you can think about if that's true, right? If, if Rabbi Saku is right that that Tosfut says that, which I think he is, then does that validate right, his, right, his, his, right, his overall claim? Uh, and what would it mean, right, to say that they're Deraisas aren't Mushba Bodhi Mehrasina? Okay, second thing to think about is whether you find uh, my notion of a morality, of uh, my understanding of what morality of aspiration might mean. Um, as a plausible way of understanding um, of understanding the category of understanding um, the Hitler slash and hara, um, you can entirely bracket the question of whether you, whether you whether you think it's a proper understanding of, of, of the theory of eroticism, but you can understand why it might be a, why you, once you once you understand it that way, then it might shape the way in which you um, it might shape the way in which you um, posket other things. Right, you might you might say that, that that's true about privacy also, right? That uh, uh, private let's let's call privacy tsnius, right? So right, so tsnius is a goal. Everyone should have the goal of living in it. And yet, maybe a society of perfect tsnius is a dystopia. Right, that's right. That's the, right. That's the that's the thesis I want to. Um, and you can you can frame it in less radical ways. Which is analogous to the way Lexi set it up in the Agatha, which is to say that um, we can understand that the only—it's not that you can't achieve these things; that achieving these things will inevitably involve sacrificing other things we believe are important. Right? Even if those other things may not, even if those other things, the way we lose them will not violate halacha in any way. Right? I think right. That I think that's right. That that. That might be a less radical way of getting you in the same place. Yeah, that's I think what it, that was his argument. There are different values, and, and and yeah, and if you and you go too extreme in this value, then you're right. What I want to argue is right. It's not it's that it's that we understand, even though we frame the halacha as an aspirate, we say, look, everybody should want to be never say lashon hara. But what if it turned out that if you never said lashon hara, it would also mean because of what it means to be a human being that you didn't know anybody. Now there's no chiyuv. Right? There's no Easter in not knowing people. Right. It's maybe just, you should move to Israel. It's just people speak less it's just, it's just your, just, it's just, it's just your it's just, maybe. Uh, in the place I live. Seriously, that's where I live. Yeah, I don't live there now. I'm not going to be. I don't know if there's any way. No, they just exclude you if you defame someone. That's like what the Olimar used to if they were from America at least. Okay. You could like say something and they're going to like sue you. What are we called? Like Russian horror laws. Okay, okay I'm not yeah, gonna, yeah, but you're arguing a point. I'm not going there, right? So, what if, what if, what if you could live a perfectly halachic life without saying lashon hara, but the yeah. consequence you never violate any other resurm as a result, right. you just never know another human being. Yeah, that's a problem. Right, that's what I, that, that's what I argue. Right, that's what morality of aspiration is designed to do. Pardon? Can we ever truly know a human being? We know you're not, <laughs> the value, okay, you say, you the say value is, is basically you want the person to have friends, and you want, and that's yeah. also a mitzvah to a and you're not well, able to have friends because you're never talking. You never violate an right? 
Right, so right, there, there are positive uh, values. Per cubic, there, per right, there yeah, are positive yeah, values yeah. that will inevitably be lost in the concept, right, uh, in the in the pursuit, right, of of, of of halachic perfection in that area. So maybe right, and maybe that's true about eroticism also in certain ways. Maybe not, right? That's an open that's an open question. Maybe it's true about snias, in a non-erotic sense. Um, right, like you have. Right, you know that maybe sneus means you should never. Right, sneus means you know, obviously that you shouldn't have any biographical data on your Facebook profile. Well, I always because the Chatham Sofa Chazanish who always who hid in the corner of the Midrash for a couple of years and hopes he wouldn't have to leave the community. I think it's Chazanish. Chazanish legendarily, right? right refuses. So is that legend the ideal? Really, all the best leader rabbis should just hide in the corner and not teach any Torah or learn anything because that would be perfect sneus. I think that would be a society yeah, of perfect sneus. If you think that was sneers. people is hide, everyone's yeah, hiding. That's why he wanted to do it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we'll leave that outside. Also, <laughs> thank you all very much. <laughs> tomorrow, uh, so okay, tomorrow you're learning with tomorrow. is giving a chabura at you're gonna have you're gonna have makara by four. Sure. And you'll email them to everybody, mm-hmm. and then you'll. We'll finish whenever you finish, right? So people should prepare the Makara 4 to 445. Sure. And you'll give Shira 445 to 6. Sure. Okay. Uh, tomorrow morning, you're, you're, you're doing a lot. You're doing learning, you're learning Parsha with those three calendars for somewhere between half an hour and an hour. I think I can get an exact time for you. Mm-hmm. And then I, I will have Makara for everybody else, which uh, will basically involve reading the Rav's essay, Allahic Morality. Uh, we'll plan to come to form a committee of the whole on that let's say at uh, 10 30 and then we'll talk about it hopefully for uh you know let's say 11 and then we'll t- then we'll talk about it from 11 to 12 and then people will have leftovers for lunch and people will scatter and, so when are we supposed to read that test book that's on getting two hours tomorrow morning read the article um it's also much to learn out of seder but <laughs> Um, okay did you volunteer in the end for the first intro uh okay good (laughs) Um, (laughs) i aspired to a fully autonomous program but i understand (laughs) (laughs) um okay i think that's i think that's uh i haven't taken the recording off but there we are okay